Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, a standalone Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate, complete adventure, so you can listen to them in any order. We are joined by Aaron, Prince of the Tritons, son of Alcala. <laughs> so, as you know, I'm Prince of the Tritons, so I am a somewhat short, diminutive man um, with bright blue skin and blue hair. Um, I wear a sort of kilt made of different swaths of ocean-colored silks and some golden chains across my chest, and I have very pointy teeth when I smile. And you're a level... Oh, and I am a level five uh, bard of the vocalist. Nice. Sitara Astronova! Hello, my name is Sitara Astronova. I'm a celestial avatar. I'm six feet tall and I resemble a half-elf. My skin is midnight blue and covered in shifting white tattoos. My eyes are also bright blue and I tend to glow like starlight. Something really cool is that I have a scar across my nose and I wear a chain shirt. I am a fifth-level celestial warlock. And Maximilian Riffman. Riffman here. Uh, I am a tiefling with uh, crimson skin and elegantly curved horns. I'm wearing a very obviously tailored suit, and the way you know it's tailored is, I'll tell you, uh, in grey that goes all the way down to my shiny black shoes. Uh, I have a easygoing winning smile and the kind of stare that says, you can absolutely trust me with your wallet and your investment portfolio, uh, and the kind of handshake that can crush rocks. I I am a fifth level arcane trickster rogue. You are all in the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall. The guild is a large building with a bar, a sitting area with wooden tables and chairs, and a wall with a corkboard and job flyers posted. It is 9 a.m., early in the morning. Nulisag is walking across the guild hall to the jobs board with a few job flyers in hand. Being a two-foot-tall dwarf, the leader of the fire-breathing kittens pulls up a stool and hops onto it to get enough height to reach the jobs board that he posted at you all's level, not his. Aw. Nulisag finishes posting three job flyers, and then the elderly dwarf huffs and puffs as he carries a big bag of mail past you to the member mailboxes. All three of you suddenly remember that you have a mailbox here in the guild hall. Man, it must have been a while since you checked those. Oops. <laughs> hey, Satara. Yes? Who's this new guy? I I don't know. We must have gotten a new adventurer. Hail and well met, my friend. Hey, hey. Um, you can see uh, Riff is uh, sitting at a, a desk. He's been there for about three hours <laughs> since he always wakes up at 4 a.m. to dream journal, do his meditations, uh, you know, plan out his day and do a bit of a... Uh, a deck on uh, paper to uh, really strategize for how he's going to carry out his adventures. Um, as soon as he as soon as he sees the greeting, he flashes two finger pistols at you uh, and then tips his imaginary hat. Riffman, Maximilian Riffman to my friends, and I can tell we're going to be friends. And to whom do I have the pleasure of speaking? Well, I'm Aaron. Satara is slightly hungover. Um, she is a night <laughs> human. Or not human, she's not human, but night person i am sitara astronova 
Astronova, I love it. I love it. It's great branding. Very, very on point. I can, I can already see you're going to go far. And Erin, uh, was it? Yes. Of course. Never forget a name. Never forget a face. Not a face like that. And he kind of flashes you this big smile. Why do I feel like your fingers are stickier than mine? <laughs> he kind of looks at his fingers that are like immaculately pedicured. Um <laughs> Hey, uh, these, these, no, no, uh, sticky, sticky, never. If, uh, if sometimes people feel the need to reward my services with a little gold, then that's, uh, that's their prerogative. If sometimes I take that prerogative out of their hands, well, that's their prerogative too. <laughs> a small splash of mud seemingly falls from the ceiling right onto his fingertips. Kind of. Uh, kind of examines it looks up uh looks up at the ceiling and uh whips out he's got like a a fancy leather notepad and he takes out a quill and he and you can see him making a note and you can see sort of whispering to himself as he does it about an opportunity to sell ceiling repair to the guild hall (laughs) (laughs) oh yes this uh, maybe maybe Uh, the ceiling looks perfectly dry but uh, who knows are you a entrepreneur I'm an enabler, so so I help entrepreneurs achieve their best selves. Really, you know, 10x the whole thing. You've got an idea, I've got an idea to make your idea 10 times bigger. I don't even need to hear your idea. I've already got it. That's what I do. That's what I'm here to bring to, the, to this little guild hall. And uh, if we pick up some treasure along the way, well, then that's just something, an opportunity for reinvestment. Nice. Do you drink? The more important question of the night. Morning. It's morning. Yeah, it's morning. (laughs) I find uh, alcohol is a social lubricant, and like all lubricants, immensely useful in helping things go smoothly. (laughs) Aaron perks up. (laughs) I know what I said. (laughs) Nice. Aaron is fish people. He's already self-lubricated. Aaron is fish people. Oh yeah, <laughs> a little slimy. Chaos squad. <laughs> um, sh- the mail came. Shall we check? Sure. I don't think I've ever checked that. <laughs> I mean, ordinarily one would have assistance to do all this sort of thing for them, but uh, it's good to get down in the weeds, get down in the muck, find out what the uh, working people do. And he kind of sidles off uh, towards the towards to check his mailbox. Bills, 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 bills. <laughs> oh, this looks different. Uh, Maximilian, your mailbox has a request to buy a 100 gold ticket to the upcoming Nikimoi Hunger Gala, which funds food banks in the city. He kind of looks at it for a uh, looks at it for a minute, and then very sort of like slides it past his pocket and onto the floor so it looks like he's just dropped it accidentally and then like turns around and sidles away whistling did i notice that can i roll to notice roll to perceive do a sleight of hand and a perception oh it's gonna be one of those days Mm. it's a nine for satara (laughs) <laughs> it's an eight for the sleight of hand. Two plus six. <laughs> you do notice. Uh, Satara would pick it up and uh, kind of hold it up and be like, uh, Maximilian, you dropped this. 
Oh my god, I did. Thank you so so much. And uh, he he walks over and just like plucks it out of your hands with two fingers if you'll let him. Yeah, she's like, take it. It's not mine. <laughs> uh, would she have read it before she? W- would he have seen her read it before? No, she wouldn't have read it. Read little okay. English English friends. Um, she wouldn't have read it. She would have just like been like, "You dropped it. It's yours. Here you go." <laughs> okay. Oh, what's in the rest of our mailboxes? Aaron, you have an advertisement for hot singles in your area. Okay. <laughs> I've learned better than to click on those. <laughs> Satara, what do you got? What do I have? <laughs> She's like dying laughing. <laughs> Satara, there is a letter from your ward, Orin. Oh, yay. Um, I open it and read it immediately. Okay, it says... Dear Satara, thank you for the box of snacks you sent me. I missed those flavors from home. I keep telling you, you don't have to send cigarettes. They aren't traded or valuable here. Ridgeview is a boarding school, not a prison. (laughs) Next month is our school-wide sports day. If it wouldn't be too much of a bother, would you mind attending? Bruno's parents are coming. If you're busy, that's okay too. Here's the flyer, though. The second page is a colorful paper. It says in big bubble letters, Ridgeview Sports Day! Families of students welcome! Competitions! Festivities! Prizes! Saturday, March 13th. Sitar. What day is it today? Yeah, what day is it today? That's a good question. Saturday, March 13th. Oh! (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Oops. Um, Sitara would look at the other two. Um, and she would hold up the flyer and she would go, I am very bad at checking mail and I have to go to this festival. Are you interested? Um, I mean, we don't have to go, but, um, if I don't go, I would be a bad parent. She's not sure where, if she's actually a parent or not. (laughs) Uh, Riff gets this like thousand mile stare as like the the litany of different events, graduations, and milestones that his father did not attend because he was too busy, like flashes through his mind behind his eyes. And he like all but pulls out a dagger and goes, you're going to that festival. <laughs> Poor baby. Yeah, okay, let's go. Should we check the job flyers board first and see if we can make some money along the way? Yes, I will need to get a gift, I believe. Um, you can see, you can see, like, Riff, like, his face twitches as, like, on the one hand, the idea of, like, potentially business getting in the way of seeing a kid's, like, big event, like, traumatizes him in one way, but then the <laughs> idea of missing out on potential profit, like, traumatizes him in the opposite direction, and he's just, like, this twitchy, slightly, like, uh, uncertain thing, and he's, like, Okay, let's check the board. <laughs> and he just kind of does this, like, hand over the face thing and just, like, resets his face back to, like, congenial friendliness. Oh, I just want to give him a hug. Poor thing. That's, that's, the, that's the player talking, not Sitara. Yeah, because he will absolutely steal her coin purse. <laughs> <laughs> will he? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
so uh, you guys are in front of the jobs flyers board. Nulisag posted the following jobs flyers. As members of the fire-breathing kittens guild with the magical tattoo Nulisag gave you, you see not just the blank page everyone else does, but also this text on the three job flyers. Uh, there's flyer one, flyer two, and flyer three. Mm-hmm. Do any of them have a location that is on the way to the school? Not at all. <laughs> uh, I should read you the flyer, shouldn't I? Is that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Right. Flyer one. A-level quest, adventurers level 16 and up. A dragon has decided to call the peak of Mount Hokkaido its home. Evict it. Next. Flyer 2, B-level quest, adventurers level 12 and up. The residents of the small town of Hellnest haven't been able to sleep recently. Next. Flyer 3, S-level quest, level 20 adventurers only. Tip from Crud Jr. Lofin is officiating a wager between Thor and Tyr. Should be entertaining. Come to Asgard if you want to place a bet. Okay, so none of these are for us. If anything, I'm overqualified. Let, let's go to the festival thing. <laughs> okay, let's go. Yes, l- let's go. Also, player talking, I love that they're like, the town can't sleep, better said level 12 adventurers. <laughs> <laughs> they have a history of not being able to sleep. That's um, They come at night. If anyone wants to hear that adventure. Okay. So I also love that there are now level recommendations on the flyers. That's a great addition. Thank you. Imagine how many people had to die before they added that feature. <laughs> it's like level yes. fours turning up at the dragon lair. Like, I saw the flyer. <laughs> Shall we take the train or are we going to try to take something else? The train would be fastest. Yeah, let's do the train. You see Riffman take out his notepad and an abacus and quickly start like running the figures on various transportation methods before uh, before he uh, agrees to the train. It looks completely superfluous. Hey, Riff, <clears throat> I can get us on the train for free. <sighs> this is, this is going to be a valuable partnership. <laughs> I thought you might like that. All right, I will do that scene. I was going to just like hand wave you step off the train, but I guess, all right. (laughs) I was not planning on doing much for this one. (laughs) Okay, well, you are in the train. What is that called? Station? You are in the train Mm -hmm. station. There are a lot Mm -hmm. of people all around you. This is a large building with many like big glass walls up to like two stories. You've got a lot of natural sunlight in here, and there's not a lot of, like, furniture or anything inside. Maybe, like, a bench on the edge of the wall, but but really, it's just, like, a, a big, large train station. And at one end of the train station is a place where people can buy tickets. There are service windows, and in one of those service windows is a bipedal bee person. Mm. Hey, Satara. Yes? Can you clear me a little a little space here in the center? Would you like attention or subtlety? Subtlety. She looks kind of disappointed, but then she um, walks to the middle of the room and starts like bouncer glaring everybody to get them to move out of the middle of the room. Hmm. Do an intimidation. Are you rolling intimidation? Yes. It is going to be one of those days, y'all. That's a nat one plus six is seven. (laughs) An elderly woman walks up to you and touches your elbow gently, asking, Dear, would you like help? Okay. Yes. 
<laughs> but I have companions. Do not stress yourself. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I don't need space. No, no hold on. I got this. Riffman okay. sees, uh, sees the, the glaring strike out. So he uh, pulls out a, a clipboard, um, like a, a clipboard, puts on his like most uh, ingratiating smile and starts walking around uh, and starts loudly asking people to sign his petition for the most obnoxious <laughs> thing he can imagine and say it's only a 50 gold donation to save the to save the poor kids. And then he just makes up a country. And he starts, like, aggressively chasing people around in this small area, <laughs> trying to get them to give him 50 gold and sign this petition. All right. You can roll any skill you'd like on this that you can justify. What are you going to roll? Uh, I feel like this is performance. Sure. Okay. That is a 24. 18 plus 6. <laughs> Okay, that is a success, and I just want to add a note as a DM how you didn't raise money for the Nicomoy Hunger Gala to feed hungry people. You were like, no. Inspiration. <laughs> so the people around you at first are interested, but then you like say the amount of gold, which is 50 gold, which is $500 or $5,000. It's a lot of dollars. And, and so they look like awkward and offended and they're like what is this guy doing you part the seas they avoid you as much as possible they're like side eyeing you and they, they like awkwardly back away and then run off they're oh I, I got a train to catch um um as soon as the the path clears i give uh, like a half bow to to aaron and like indicate it's now his show aaron removes two of the scarves from his kiltish type garment and begins an interpretive dance waving them around like the ribbons i don't know if you remember those ribbon dancers from the 90s that thing and invites <laughs> the two of you to join in the dance sitara will join no hesitation i'm in <laughs> whatever scam this is i'm on board <laughs> not a scam just 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 a a class ability Rufman assumes it's a scam and joins in thinking it's a scam but he still attempts to, to mimic the movements. So would this be acrobatics, DM? I think this is performance. Yeah, acrobatics or performance. Either your choice. Okay. 18 for acrobatics. 21 for performance. 15 plus 6. Non-natural 20 for performance. Okay. And what is your goal? Well... We dance across the now cleared open floor to right in front of the bee lady's desk and we end the dance, or at least Aaron does, dramatically draped across the desk in front of her and says, hi, we need train tickets. Okay, so your goal was to skip the line and buy train tickets first? No, the goal is to skip the line and get free train tickets using the... Bardic ability by popular demand, free lodging, travel, food, etc. for performance. She winks at you and slides across the counter under the window three train tickets. They're all day passes. You can just ride the train all day. Yeah. Success. She's like, I had some extra in this uh, all day pass group. Here you go. You seem like good people uh -huh. to give them to. He gives her a wink and flounces towards the train. 
her bee pinchers chitter. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, Riffman beams, but makes a note in his notepad to pitch the train station on automating that process with less easily impressed vendors. And they just follows, <laughs> saunters after Aaron with the free tickets. I might take your suggestion. <laughs> Sorry, it's a it's a machine. You stick in one gold, one ticket comes out. <laughs> we got dads out of it. Oh man, yeah. <sighs> okay, um, so you all ride the train. It's a well-maintained, speedy method of travel. The large windows overlook the beautiful countryside. Trees whizzing past and, like, pretty buildings and stuff. And, again, that blue sky above is, like... Oh, it's from pregame. I'll just say for the first time. The blue sky above is shining. Uh, It's pretty. And then it's your stop. This is the stop that you need to take to get to Ridgeview Boarding School. And I'm going to actually fast fast all the way to the boarding school. So, <laughs> arriving at the boarding school. You arrive at Ridgeview Boarding School. The path you arrive on leads up past an expansive lawn to an equally impressive brick mansion. People are walking everywhere. The festivities extend around the side of the school, where the tamped earth is crowded with roped-off square sections walking paths with food stalls lining them, and bleachers for the audience to sit on. In three designated squares, three grades of schoolchildren are performing a choreographed dance in the middle of the field. The difficulty level and embarrassment level seems to increase with each grade. The children in the middle are hula-hooping and doing the macarena at the same time. Perception check? Everyone? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 19 plus something. 14 for Satara. 18, final for me. 17 for Riff. Aaron has the highest perception. Aaron, you see ice cream bobbing this way at waist height. It's a tray of five cones. No, wait, it can't be moving on its own. The tray of five ice cream cones is being held above the head of a gnome wearing a blue cap who is desperately trying to navigate their way through the crowd despite their short height. Oh, um, Aaron notices this and makes his way over to that area and starts to open up a a path in front of him. How do you do that? Gently ushering people away. Just push, push, push. Excuse me, so sorry. Oh, bye. Okay, you're a bard. I'm going to give that to you for free. The gnome looks at you appreciatively and says, Thank you, mister. No problem. What's what's, What's the ice cream for? It's for my friends and my parents. And he waves. And Satara, rainbow iridescent Medusa snakes on a seven foot tall head facing away from you. They haven't turned to face you yet, but you know who it is. Yay. Um, she would walk over and she would like gently sock him in the shoulder. <laughs> Oof, he says. <laughs> he turns around and his face lights up with joy. Satara! He flings his arms around you and gives you a big hug. It's been a while since he's seen his adoptive mom, and he missed you. I was worried you weren't going to make it. Genuine worry frets his young face. Chip and Aaron, you, er, Maximilian and Aaron, you notice that Orin wears a necklace that matches Satara's over his gray toga. Both necklaces glow with a happy blue light. Hello, Orin. I wouldn't miss this for the world. 
Though next time, perhaps send a hawk instead of the actual mail. I may have forgotten to check it. Oh, Satara. <laughs> oh, this is Chulun and Bruno and Bruno's parents. They're here for sports day. He gestures at the gnome with the blue cap and two gnomish parents and a very tall, uh, not very attractive orc. He's going through some some uh, teenage pox. <laughs> <laughs> teenage pox. Um, Satara would wave and then gesture to her companions and say, and I brought friends as well. Uh, this is Aaron and Maximilian. They are very excited to watch you perform and compete. And she's staring yeah. at you. And if you don't agree with her, she will get mad. <laughs> she's like, yes, you are very excited. Yes, we put a lot of money on you. <laughs> um, Chip gives him the, the, the side eye. Not worried that there's money been placed, but worried that he missed out on an opportunity for gambling and he like tries to sub vocalize to Aaron we'll talk later but then he uh, steps forward and like thrusts his hand out in an attempted handshake with really anyone who'll take it so Max Chip Riffman uh, here to cheer on the team whatever team you happen to be (laughs) (laughs) whose hand are you trying to shake it literally doesn't matter. He literally just thrust his hand straight forward in the general direction of the group with the ironclad, like, posh conviction that somebody is taking that hand. The teenage orc, Chulun, with all the pox on his face, shakes your hand. He kind of gives it a, uh, gives it a firm grip. As, and, it, like, as he's shaking the hand, he's trying to, like measure how athletic this kid is in case it gives him an edge on what he now believes is Aaron's gambling. (laughs) He looks very athletic. And you notice that he's in the white team because he's got a little badge on his shirt. Mentally filing that information away. Steps back back from the handshake, gives the the kid a, a wink. What are the first competitions today? Oh, well, Orin will take you to the tamped earth region. I don't want to call it a field because field has a lot of grass, but we call it a field in sports. It's a field. Eh. Takes you to the, to the field. Okay. And shows you around. Now you all know the children are divided into two teams, red and white. You see a group of students standing behind a circle drawn on the ground, trying to throw red or white sticks into a barrel within a time limit. A teacher, uh, a man, um, He's got a big name tag on him that says Ari. A teacher blows a whistle and they stop and cheer and hug one another on one of the teams. This is all happening concurrently. Over in another area, another group of students pushes a 15-foot-tall inflatable ball to a goal. And in another direction, children wearing either red or white hats are all jumping at the same time on a very long jump rope. There are games for each grade, and there are mixed games where every game can participate. It's a little chaotic... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Would you guys like to wander over to an area where you can participate in tug-of-war or an area with a 100-yard race? You can do neither, either, both. It's your choice. Whatever you guys want. Uh, let's do tug-of-war. Tug-of-war sounds great. Aaron is not good at tug-of-war, but he's he's excited. Neither is Satara. <laughs> it's going to be terrible at this. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he follows along, but as he does, he sidles over... Um, to uh, to Aaron and says, "Do you really have money on this? And if so, 
would it be problematic if I were to adjust the odds? And he's kind of doing this with like a big smile on his face for everybody else. And he's like, he's clearly very practiced at sub-vocalizing out of the corner of his mouth. Well, do you have any cash on you? I've got a few gold pieces to rub together as long as I see them again, perhaps with well, a few friends. Who knows? Pass them over. Uh, does does Erid seem like a trustworthy investment in this case? Do an insight check. To... Mm-hmm. And then, Aaron, do a deception check if you're lying and a persuasion check if you're telling the truth. It's up to you. Don't tell us. And then tell us your number. Oh, I got a nat 20 on this. Okay. It doesn't matter which one he's doing. And then what's your insight check? If it's not a nat 20, a nat 20 will beat it. No, no. 17. He, he's got me beat. Oh, well, then you look at his beautiful, charming smile, and you want to put all your trust in him. With that natural 20, your money is in good hands. Can't argue with that. So I hand over the 10 gold coins that I have uh, straight over. There, As I do, I make sure that he sees the, like, uh, the, the gesture. He can see the, like, four daggers gleaming under <laughs> each of my sleeves. Um, and it's not a threat per se, but I definitely want him to know they're there. Aaron looks disappointedly down at the 10 gold coins <laughs> and curls his fingers back over riffs and says never mind honey it's okay you you, you keep those <laughs> oh poor thing let's go win some more in the, some of these games it'll be fine okie dokie <laughs> falls him away and makes a mental note to make more money <laughs> yeah Aaron is making a mental note riffs fingers must not be all that sticky Everyone joins the fire breathing kittens all for a reason. And you all... you broke. <laughs> and you all start out with very little gold. Yeah, you all... uh, so for the listeners, that's just a mechanics thing. Everybody starts out with ten gold their first time playing. Poor poor chip. Poor Max. Okay, let's do tug of war. <laughs> tug of war. The principal, who is a she's an elderly elf female. She has black hair. She looks very respectable, you know, like how some people just give off that air. Anyway, but she also looks kind of haggard. <laughs> this is sports day. All right. The principal stands at a magical voice amplifier on stage and announces, it's time for an event where the families can play. This is tug of war. Please send one family member and nine students from the red and white teams for each grade to line up along the rope and pull on it as hard as you can. So it's just one adult, it can't be all three of us? Yes. So you could send Arndt or Ingracia, the gnomes. You could send one of you three, or you could just watch. Hey, Satara. Yes? You're kind of the biggest. <laughs> that is true. You wouldn't happen to have some secret strength thing going on, Maximilian, would you? Chip uh, rubs his chin. I can't make you stronger at least not right away i mean if if you're willing to invest the time and effort we can definitely de devise some sort of exercise regime that will optimally boost your strength over six to 18 years but <laughs> but uh if uh if uh Aaron here was willing to share some of his winnings i could uh 
I could certainly uh, see my way to perhaps tipping this somewhat in your direction. I mean, it would stretch the, say, a conservative definition of ethics in a children's tournament, (laughs) he says, and he does the scary air quotes. Uh... Aaron Aaron gives him a a sidelong look of disgust and claps Satara on the shoulder and says, I believe in you. You can do, you are a strong, independent woman. You've got this. And you take one bardic inspiration die. Oh, cool. What is that? Uh, You can roll a, I believe it's a D6 at at any point and add that to any roll that you end up making. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, Satara's so just like... I'll... Oh, it's actually a D8 now. Oh, sweet. Even better. Um, Satara so smiles and she looks at Oren and she goes, Well, shall we go kick some proverbial... And then she remembers she's around children and she's like, But... <laughs> yes, yes, we'll be right here on the side. We'll do everything we can to support you and make you successful today. <laughs> and he flashes a big toothy smile everything we can got it (laughs) Uh, and then Satara walks over to the rope yeah the adult is instructed to be closest to the middle this is to make sure no children get hurt tugging on the rope you know so you're the one closest in the middle and then there's nine children behind you Orin, your ward is a seven-foot-tall Medusa with iridescent snakes on his head. He's right behind you. He's in his gray toga with his glowing blue necklace. He's looking all excited. He's like, I'm so glad you came. This is the best sports day ever. And his friends, Bruno, the little gnome with the blue cap, and Chulun, the awkward, super-tall orc teenager, are there too so your team's got a you know you got the seven foot tall medusa and you know you got an orc so like all right so you can now roll an athletics check and i'm gonna roll for the opposite team (gasps) yay it didn't fail oh side note for the bardic inspiration die keep in mind that you can add it to whatever roll you want you can roll it you can add it after you roll poorly but it has to be before the dm tells you whether the roll is a pass or fail okay um, she rolled a 19. Okay. The opponent team rolled a 15. So that means as you tug on the rope, the opponent team uh, shuffles closer and closer and closer. And soon there's a little white flag hanging in the middle of the tug of war rope. It passes the the midpoint on the line. There's like this, like, it starts out in the middle. And then if it goes beyond this point, you win. If it goes beyond a point on the other side, you know, they win. So, like, so the white flag passes the line and everyone cheers because you won tug of war and then there's like this awkward uncoupling where everyone drops the rope and it's like some people are still pulling it's like ah kids <laughs> Aaron looks disappointed he thought this would go on much longer and be have some opportunity for hijinks <laughs> uh riff uh riff begins to de-prepare the illusory bees he was ready to unleash uh, <laughs> on the other team Uh, And sort of briefly considers the ethics of summoning bees on children, but then quickly moves past it. (laughs) Aaron puts the cap back on the flask at his hip. (laughs) We're going to get kicked out of, we're going to get my kid kicked out of school. I can see it already. Um, uh, Sitara congratulates Oren and says, good job. 
He hugs you. When she, I mean, she's hugging him back and then um, taking her him him back over to uh, her companions. Uh, Visual note: Is it like a good solid hug, or is it one of those like awkward pat kind of things? It's oh, no, a it, good solid hug. I was yeah. gonna say it's solid. <laughs> yeah, they're For both sure. the same height. Like they're both very excited after having cheered. You know, they just won a game. Yeah. We don't see this side of Satara much. That is true. That is very true. Okay, what's next? Would you like to participate in the 100-yard race? Or would you like to watch it? Will Sitara's ward be participating? Here, I'll give you some details. The principal stands at a magical voice amplifier on a stage and announces, It's time for the 100-yard race! Each team can start gathering two adults and six students, one representative from each grade. So there's like a first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth, you know, like one kid of each age and two adults total. At the starting clap, one player at a time will traverse through our obstacle course. At the end of the course, you will draw one paper from the jar of your respective team color. You have to choose a person based on what's written. It could be staff or faculty, but some could be random descriptions of anybody where you're free to choose among our crowd, whoever fits. We would appreciate everyone's cooperation in this game. Get in line at the end of the track with the person of your choice. As soon as the last player's in line, in ascending order, you will form a train and run to the finish line together. Okay, so only two adults and six students are supposed to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. Can, can I ask a mechanical question? Mm-hmm. DM? Uh, so my character is on the one hand, terrible at athletics, but on the other hand can run 120 feet a turn around. (laughs) So, I mean, would would he feel like he'd be good at this or terrible at it? Because it's a hundred yard race. Um, and you can do like a lot of that really quickly you would feel that you're good at this also your team members are 15 to 12 like years old so you're feeling very capable today uh okay um in that case uh uh riff uh looks around at his companions and sees uh um sees aaron sitting out uh looks to sitara to see if she's gonna put her hand up and otherwise he will volunteer. Um, Satara would look back at you and just kind of do the whole, like, it, you're going to do this with me? Like, the whole, like, partner up thing uh, that you do when you're in, you know, high school and the teacher says, find a partner. And she's just like, eh, eh, us, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, Riff goes, yes, you and me. Team awesome. <laughs> we are both critical parts of Team Riffman. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> He turns to to Aaron, uh, claps claps him on the shoulder, and goes, "Just one, uh, one thing. Could you hold my knives? I, I don't think I should run with kids and knives." <laughs> sure. And begins just unloading. Just like he's got, he basically he hand, he hands you eight daggers and a short sword, and he keeps like remembering he's got others, and he's sort of pulling them out, and it looks like his entire suit. It basically exists mostly to just carry concealed weaponry. And he's just like sort of unloading it on you in a spiky pile. 
Aaron <laughs> opens the flask at his hip and a stream of water comes out and starts to assemble a coil basket and floats in front of Riff. It's, it's just unload it. Fine. Here. Give it all. Yep. And he's he's sort of he's drop it. He's dropping them in and he's naming each one. He's just like Lucy. They've, they've all got women's names. It's like Lucy, Sybil, Christina, oh, Christina, like he runs his finger a lot. It puts it in. Uh, just piles up all of the daggers and knives and then starts like very theatrically limber up. What's the short sword's name? Tracy. Ah, Tracy. She must, she must have been a lot of women. Depends where you stick her. Oh my. So, Sitara and Maximilian, are you ready at the start of the obstacle course? Yep. Yes, ma'am. Okay. You can use any skill you'd like to get through here. The following obstacles. One is that there is a long, 10-foot-long tube. Another is that there's a slide, so you must climb the slide and then go down the slide. And then another is a ball pit. So, like, it's got colorful yellow, red, and blue balls, and it's, like, 10 feet long. It's a ball pit. So however you want to describe yourself going over those obstacles, let me know. Uh, first is Maximilian and then is Satara. And you're going to have a, you're reaching a jar at the end. There's going to be, now you guys, since Oren is on the red team, you guys are going to be reaching your hand into the red jar and pulling out a slip of paper. So you'll roll a D10 when you reach the end. And I'll tell you what slip of paper you find. Is it one roll per obstacle or is it just one? One roll total. Um, oh, did I read this right? Yeah, we're just, yeah, yeah, uh, just, you know, role play through it, one roll total, have fun, enjoy your obstacle course. There's a cheering crowd all around you, everybody's glad to spend time with their parents and grandparents at sports day, see their families, hang out with their friends, get some food on a stick, <laughs> yeah. All right, have at it. Maximilian, you're up first. Uh, the person who went before you was looked like they were 10, and they went wee as they went down the slide. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Bugger that. Um, so, so just to be clear, we're doing this course one at a time. Like, there aren't other kids doing it at the same time as we are? Is that correct? It's, uh, it's like you've got a team of people. So there's two adults and six students. And mm-hmm. um, when the team reaches the end, they're getting a piece of paper, going and grabbing someone from the audience, and then waiting in an area for you. Okay. And then when you arrive, you're all going to make a train, which is that you hold hands, and then you're all going to run towards the end together. Okay. So one at a time, each person's going through the obstacle course and waiting in the box, drawn okay. on the ground. Yeah. Um, so uh, M- Maximilian is going to take this, like, american ninja warrior seriously um he is doing this at a dead sprint like no allowance for the fact that these are children he's competing with nothing like that he is blazingly fast um and he is like blazingly fast to begin with and he's putting on a turn of speed um so he's uh, he's basically going to try to uh, what is it um so he's going to try to jump on top of the tube and run along the top of it rather than trying to crawl through it in case it creases Whoa. his suit. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming if it's 10 foot tall, right? You said it was a 10 foot long tube. 
I'm assuming yeah, it's about yeah. like his a bit short in his height. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like six feet tall. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's definitely at most, at most. Yeah. Yeah, no. He's jumping on the top of that thing and just running along the top of it, using the jump off that to try to leap at the slide and land at least half to two thirds of the way up the ladder, so that he can <laughs> flip himself onto the slide, slide down the slide, and then run and attempt to just vault the entire ball pit. Whoa, okay, now do some kind of roll. Let's see how good you do with that. Uh, okay. Uh, can it be acrobatics rather than athletics because it's pretty bursty? Sure. Okay, it's still garbage, but less garbage. Oh, good God. That is a, that is a 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you jump, you're running along the top of the tube, and it's a tube, so your foot slips to the side a little bit, and when you go to aim for the ladder of the slide, you, like, smack into it because you launched yourself a bit differently than you thought you would, knocking the wind out of yourself. <laughs> so as you go down the slide, you don't make any sound at all because you can't breathe. When you reach the ball pit, you go to jump over it, but you stumble and tumble into it head first, which thankfully allows you to collect your breath. And as you emerge from the ball pit, you're able to stand up, dust yourself off, raise both arms above your head, scream, woo, and run to the end to the jar. Excellent. <laughs> All the I love it when a plan comes together. Um, uh, I, so I reach into the jar and I, into the red jar and I pull out a piece of paper. Yes. Roll a D10. That is a nine. Your paper says, a short person. Okay. So I head. O uh, I have to take uh, an audience member and head over to the... Um, so I will see if I can spot... Uh, Bruno was the, mm -hmm. was the blue-capped gnome. With, so I see if Bruno still looks like he has spare ice cream. <laughs> Bruno is licking an ice cream in the audience. But he has no other, no more ice cream? Uh. Like apart from his one? Oh, um, right. Yeah, he doesn't have any okay. more ice cream other than that. I give a disappointed sigh about the way everyone le lets you down in the end, but I go and oh. pluck him, try to pluck him out of the crowd and take him with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, he happily accepts and runs onto the field laughing. He's just happy to be participating in ice cream today. He's good. He's standing in the box with you, and he's like, oh, "Thank you for picking me." Um, I, I just that on like muscle memory, I give him the two finger pistols. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, you wholesome time with the kid. All right, and you are now waiting in the box, Satara. It's your turn. Um, so Satara, like before she runs, she like hypes up the audience. You know the like like the kind of American Ninja Warrior where they're like clapping and they're just like, huh. Um, and then she, uh, she runs and she like dives and like full on army crawls through the tunnel. And then, um, she does a little dance at the top of the slide before going down. Um, and then, and her goal here is to just like make Oren laugh. Um, and then in the ball pit, she like, like dives in, jumps up, like breaches like a whale and then falls over <laughs> again and then hops out. Um, and she is seriously checking to make sure Oren is like having a good time before she gets to the box. Um, so she's doing performance. Yeah. 
Um, oh yeah, and... when you when you breach like a whale, Orin is like, "That's my mom." <laughs> <laughs> um, and that would be a twenty-two. Oh gosh, yeah, it's beautiful. People take pictures. <laughs> There's uh, like dads in the audience that are going like, "Oh wow, look at her." <laughs> um, and then she rolled a seven for the paper. Oh yes. Uh, all right. You got a person wearing gray. What are you wearing, Aaron? Are you wearing gray? Blues, purples, and greens. Mm. Um, I mean, she could grab Orin, but like, sh- I guess perception check to see if there's somebody wearing gray. Yeah. In the audience. Orin is wearing gray. He's wearing a gray toga. Or do you do you not want Orin? Well, doesn't he have to do the obstacle course? That's her her thought process is she's like, oh, but it would be cheating if I just grabbed him. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, let's say he wasn't participating. <laughs> okay, yeah. So she would run over and grab him. <laughs> yeah. And like firemen carry him over to try to make him <laughs> laugh. Okay, he laughs. And then when you guys reach the box, you're the last people on the team, and now you all run with your hands held. Yay! Yay! Zatara and Maximilian's team reaches the finish line first! I want to make it absolutely clear, I'm literally just carrying this gnome. (laughs) (laughs) It's under one shoulder while I'm doing 120 feet in six seconds. (laughs) The winning team gets a stamp on their hand that says first place, and all the other people don't get a stamp on their hand. <laughs> Max, uh, Max is so precious, he like takes out a white handkerchief and gets them to stamp the handkerchief rather than like ruin his, uh, his hand care. <laughs> of course. All right. The principal stands at a magical voice amplifier on the stage and announces... We'll have a short break while we're setting up our final game. Again, she's uh, an elderly elf female. She has black hair. She looks really regal, but a little exasperated. (laughs) Each team can start gathering three adults and six students, one representative from each grade. The people start together before a row of five pop-up tents, one green tent and four white tents. Uh, I feel like the green tent is where it's at. Riff will ask Aaron for his knives back. <laughs> Aaron just looks at the basket by his feet. He does He does the, the same thing he did before, but like in reverse, where he like greets <laughs> each knife. He's like Lucy, Tracy, and just like files them away, um, like patting them. <laughs> and, then he, uh, and then he thanks, thanks Aaron kindly. Mm, no problem. Uh, Sitara would look at, look at Aaron and say... Will you assist us on this final activity? Of course. Excellent. The principal continues announcing, Each team will have the following tools available, and you guys might want to get out your pen because you're going to write down your tools. Mm -hmm. Grappling hook. Hammer. Fire rod. Ice rod. Bug catching net. Seed shooter. Shovel. Strange flute, magnetic gloves, flying cape, boomerang, rope. Do you want any repeats? Nope. Nope, I'm good. What was the last one? What kind of rope? Rope. Just rope. 
Yeah, flying cape, boomerang, rope. Cool, got it. Every tool has a number on it. They all say four, except for the flute, which says five. If you use a tool during the challenge in the tent, then you can count the tool's points towards it. The tool points are averaged for that tent. At the end, your score for the three tents is also averaged to get the total. So for example, if you get five points in one tent, four points in another tent, and 4.2 points in another tent, the three, uh, or how many white tents are there? There's four white tents. Mm-hmm. The four white tents averages are averaged at the end. Okay. At the end, your score for the tents is also averaged to get the total. Each white tent has a different challenge inside. Everyone participating, please wait inside the green tent. So we get points for using tools, but if we use a tool in tent one, is it gone for tent two? No. Okay. So we want to use as many tools as possible. We can do this. (laughs) Well, do you want to use as many tools as possible? So I can read this again. All of the tools say four except for the flute, which says five. And it's the average of the tool's points that counts for your score for the tent. So if you use the flute, the seed shooter, and the bug catching net, that's four plus four plus five divided by three. And that's your score. Oh. So really the incentive is to solve all problems with flute-based solutions. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And to use at least one tool. So if you can't use the flute, use, you know, something. (laughs) Okay, but try to use the flute. It's a strange flute. What happens when when we play the strange flute? That's just its name. That was the players and the NPCs talking to one another. So now this is the DM talking to you. A skill challenge is a storytelling scenario where the party as a whole needs to succeed six times on ability checks before reaching three failures. On your turn, set up your dilemma yourself, describe how you try to overcome it, then roll a d20 and add your ability modifier to find out if you do. If the party gets six successes, you pass the skill challenge and achieve a favorable result. If the party gets three failures, you fail the skill challenge and something bad will happen. Don't read this, DC. Got it. All right. Each person can... I know the DC. Each person can only use a skill, for example, athletics, once during the entire skill challenge. The same skill also can't be used by two different people in a row. So if Satara uses athletics, she can't use athletics again for the entire challenge. And then the person after her, like Aaron, can't then use athletics in... A row. You can use athletics gotcha. like a turn later. Spellcasters, you can expend a spell slot to gain advantage on your role if you can justify it with storytelling. There are four tents before you. Overhead, an illusory screen appears above the tents with writing saying that they will display what's happening inside the tent to the crowd outside. So this is a performance. Everyone looks weary from participating in the games and ready to watch a show. Like everyone's been running around all day and these parents and grandparents are like, I'm tired. And they're just sitting on the bleachers watching you guys perform this because it's a good way to end off the day. Sports day! Whee! (laughs) So... All right, you guys, tell me what you do. You are waiting inside the green tent. You hear cheers. You know, another group just went. They're clearly accumulating their points. And now uh, you guys can go. I'm going to say that for the purposes of storytelling, it's just you guys and Oren and uh, Bruno and Chulun. Okay. Because I don't, I don't care about the other students. <laughs> <laughs> Screw those kids. Yeah. <laughs> 
they're not winners. Um, <laughs> you sound like Ruth's dad. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, shall we go into the tent? Okay. Shall we go into the first tent? Everyone roll initiative. That way I can, I don't know, got to have some kind of order. Sweet. Cool, 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 cool. 12. Four. 22. Okay, so it's Sitara, Aaron, Maximilian. Got it. So this is six passes overall over the course of the four tents, just to let you guys know. Or three failures. Oh. You step into the first tent, so you won't need to do six passes per tent. Like, <laughs> just like <laughs> more than one on average. Okay. You step into the first tent. The space is much larger on the inside than the outside. It looks like a 10 by 10 pop-up tent, but magic. <laughs> the crowd cheers as you step inside, able to watch your performance on the screen above. The full list of tools is available inside the entrance. There is a white envelope with a red seal hanging in the air, magically. Cool, cool. Um... Aaron looks at Sitara expectantly. Does the flying cape make us fly? Yes. Okay. Satara takes the flute and yeet it, yeets it at the envelope. <laughs> okay. Using um. Um, <laughs> athletics, I guess. Is that what are you what? trying to do? Are you, like like knock it down and get it on the ground? Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's not out of your reach. Just to let you know. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow you 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 could have just grabbed that she grabs the envelope and just opens the envelope then i thought it was like way up high no no no, no. Okay, okay all right the white envelope on the inside says make the best snowman <laughs> Sorry. um okay um she like reads that to the team <laughs> broken it's fine um she reads that to the team um and she goes anyone have any ideas well you know that i can make any kind of watery form um i could always use this flute to do a performance to guide the magic to build one um we will have to turn it into snow somehow uh yep ice rod max uh yeah, good good idea. Um I I guess Satara will flatten some ground f to put this thing on. Um and she'll just be using nature to do so. Is that what that's for? Do you want to use nature to gather some rocks and make like a ring for us to build mm. inside? Ah, there you go. I'm going to do that. Okay. 13. 13 for the rocks. 13. You collect rocks. <laughs> that is a pass. <laughs> and you arrange those rocks in a circle to make your snowman more decorated. It looks like it's in a snow globe, eh? Yeah? Uh -uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pass. Aaron, you're up next. I turn to Riff and say, what was that idea you were saying a minute ago? If you can make water, I can use the ice rod to chill it into snow, and we call that synergy. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah, it... so I I will use the uh, 
the pouch to just i mean i I have an unlimited supply of water but it's just a puddle on the ground at this point and i will play the flute to use shape water and have the um the water come up to form this this ice stat or well a water statue of um i don't know we're gonna say adonis and uh uh-huh yeah it's adonis that is the best snowman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Um, and there's also a thin sheet of water sort of globing around the statue. Dang. All right. Just Aaron's rolling a skill for that, and Max is contributing the use of the tool. So we are going to write that the rod of ice was used in this one. That's good. You'll get four points. So And the flute was used. Oh, well, you're going to have to perform if you want me to count the flute. <laughs> oh. There you go. Yeah. All right. The flute was used to. All right. So your average is 4.5 for this one. Roll your skill and let's see if you pass or fail. I got a 24. With your, what skill was it? Performance. Performance. Now remember, you can't use performance again. I know. All right. Performance has been used. The crowd cheers as Adonis, made of ice, appears in this beautiful sparkling snow globe. You definitely made the best snowman. Oh, woot! <laughs> Would you like to go into the second tent? Sure. Okay. Yes. You step inside the second tent. Again, the space is much larger on the inside than the outside. The crowd cheers as you step inside. They liked that snow Adonis. The full list of tools is available inside the entrance. There is a white envelope with a red seal hanging in the air at a reachable <laughs> level that you can all open. <laughs> I'm going to open this one. It says, throw a tea bag into a mug from the farthest distance. Oh, I definitely got that. You have two minutes. Maximilian, you're up. Okay, so we get the most points for using the strange flute. And we've got to get a tea bag, and we've got to throw it into the mug from across the thing, right? Is that the vibes? Yes, and you see a mug on the tamped earth over there, like in the distance. It's over there. And you see a tea bag near the entrance, like a box of tea bags. Okay. So this is what this is what Riff would like to do. First he would like to uh, take the tea bag. And move to the furthest possible place from where it's supposed to be thrown into that he can get to within the tent. So the absolute max possible distance. 300 feet. Okay, 300 feet. Cool. Mm-hmm. He gets there. He takes the flute. He wraps the tea bag around the flute. Like the, the string. I presume the tea bag has a string. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then what he would like to do is surreptitiously cast Unseen Servant. <laughs> right to summon his uh, invisible uh, invisible helper theodore mm-hmm. right <laughs> and so what he's then going to do is mime like taking the flute with the tea bags wrapped around it and like lining it up for an epic throw and he's going to mime to um uh uh, he's going to mime to Aaron and Sitara like quietly, surreptitiously before he does this, that he's going to need like the slightest bit of misdirection from them. Something to draw attention from himself at the moment that he throws it. Right? He's basically like, when I throw this, just just do anything that, that will take eyes off me. 
And then what he wants to do is basically to like pretend to throw it, but basically to just hand it off to Theodore, who will carry it as if on a slow flight trajectory and then just casually deposit it 300 feet away in the thing. That is his plan. All right. Is Unseen Servant a spell? It is. It is a level one. It is his level one spell. Got it. By burning a spell slot, you get advantage on your skill check. So which skill are you using for this? It can't be performance. That one? Uh, It can't be performance. Uh, So, um, damn, performance would have made sense. Um, I would say, can I use deception? Or is that more about, uh, like, talk? Because is it sleight of hand or deception? Because, like, the, the key bit is making the throw look like it's an actual throw rather mm. than just a baton pass. You can use deception. Yeah, so it can be. It, I can use deception or sleight of hand. It's it's up to you. My deception's better, but it's yeah, deception works. Bins. Okay, deception. And then Satara and Aaron, what are you doing as he rolls this to distract the crowd? Uh, is this a skill check? No, he just requested oh. it. Satara um, is gonna move away from everybody, um, and she's gonna cast Sacred Flame on herself. <laughs> Jesus, are you like on fire? <laughs> Meh, kind of. <laughs> Okay. Do you look like you're having fun? You like cheering or are you burning like spontaneous combustion? Um, she like waves her hands and like just like a ring of fire just like poofs up from her. She is on fire. She will have to take damage, but it'll be fine. Um It's she's level fine. It'll be fine. Okay. Aaron is going to pull some marshmallows out of his ration pack. <laughs> And on the tip of his dagger, start roasting some marshmallows near near the heat of that of that fire. He said, "Be distracting. We're distracting." <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, you are. <laughs> what was that deception check? Um, it was twenty eight. Yep, yep, you pass. <laughs> so the flute magically. <laughs> soars across the 300 feet the crowd is watching as it they're like whoa what a good throw and then your unseen servant theodore drops the flute and the tea bag into the mug with a clink you guys win the challenge and you have five points to go towards your final score that's great you're now at three passes would you like Wait, to in enter- the minute the minute that like the flute's over there, she's you know stopping the fire so she doesn't take more damage. Oh, that's good. That yeah. <laughs> okay. Riff just looks at her and he's like, "Love the dedication to the win. <laughs> this is why you're on team Riffman." Uh, she smiles and she looks at Orin and she says, "Anything for my child." <laughs> uh, Theodore can hang out with me for up to an hour. Uh, and I don't need to maintain concentration to keep him. So he will just follow Riff around. Right. And then mechanically, it can't contribute to the skill challenge anymore because the Because it's not a spell slot, sure. It's just, yeah, yeah. I just yep. have Theodore. All right. Tent number three. You step inside the third tent. The full list of tools is available inside the entrance, as is a basketball and a hoop. There is a white envelope with a red seal hanging in the air at a reachable level. Satara, we're back to you. Um, She's going to open the envelope and read it. It says, get this ball through that hoop without using your hands. There's a basketball hoop in front of you, and there's a basketball on the ground. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. 
Um, oh, I have a question. I have to look something up real fast because I never thought I would actually like need to know this. I want to know if any of you know, does Guardian of Faith, can they like pick things up? I do not know. Uh, I'll look it up. Um, they're a large spectral guardian, appears and hovers for the duration. They have, they're indistinct, but they have a gleaming sword and shield. Um, and then they deal radiant damage. So nothing says that they can't, but nothing says that they can. So DM. Radiant damage implies that they are so bright that the light burns. So I'm going to go with no on the picking up a basketball. (laughs) Okay. it's like uh you know the like the flash of an explosion Mm -hmm. that's what your spectral guardian is okay so i have another idea let me just make sure um sitara looks at orin and says so um i learned something new and she summons her familiar Um, And that is a sprite in the form of an arctic fox. And she's going to ask it to pick up the hoop. With its mouth? Yes, with its mouth. Okay. Um, The fox goes up to the basketball. And then because of the shape of the basketball, it licks it a lot. And is like, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And unless you want the fox to continue and potentially risk puncturing the basketball, like this just goes on for a while where it's like, I can't. No. It's a basketball and I'm a fox and it doesn't fit in my mouth. And it looks at you sadly with its it's so cute as an arctic fox and it's like Meow. Um I think um so animal handling to try to like point to the right thing like no grab the hoop. It is uh the basketball hoop is on a pole. It's about 10 feet. Oh, I thought it was like air. on the ground and we had to like build a hoop. Oh, no, oh. it's a basketball hoop. It's um up at the top of a stick. You can dunk okay. in it. Okay, yeah. we don't have to build the hoop. Okay, Um. all right. Uh, She kind of looks at Orin and she's like, yeah, that was a dumb idea. Um, but you can do animal handling to win over the crowd. Let's let's see your cute Arctic yeah. fox. Yeah, there you go. Animal handling to win over the crowd. <laughs> no. Uh, that's only a seven. <laughs> That's a fail. So everyone's like, that's a fox. <laughs> and like some people are like, oh, it's cute, but mostly it's covered in slobber. <laughs> it's like, too much tongue. It was cute at first, and then there's just so much tongue. Erin, <laughs> it's it's your turn. The basketball is now very wet with saliva. Is it now? You can't do animal handling, and you can't do performance. No, I cannot. And it smells like dog breath. Can I use, hmm, there isn't really a science, can I, medicine? Can I do like a medicine check for to like rep- represent science? What are you trying to do? And I'll just give you a skill. Uh, I am going to stick a bunch of metal shavings to, from the tip of my dagger here onto the wet surface of the basketball so that my friend here can use the magnet gloves to do it. I can also make them stick because it's water-based. Um, okay, so you're using That's where I was initially going. the spell Shape Water to freeze the saliva and the metal shavings onto the basketball. Okay, yes. so really it's how are you getting metal shavings? 
And I'd say that's uh, like a a sleight of hand for your ability to rub two knives together, maybe. Like without okay, cutting yourself. Because it's really, do you cut your finger off when you're doing this? <laughs> so <laughs> roll a sleight All of right. hand. And then you didn't burn a spell slot, so you don't get advantage. I got a 10, but I have a plus 8, so 18. <laughs> that's a pass. You're at four passes and one failure. The basketball is now covered with ice and metal shavings. <laughs> and it is... Maximilian's turn. Uh, he turns to to Aaron and says, "Walk me through your vision here." <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I am imagining that you will don the the magnet gloves and, with all of your magneto-like glory, uh, send this now Ferris basketball soaring through the air and up through that hoop. Uh. He kind of thinks about this for a moment. Wouldn't using the gloves constitute using my hands? I don't think so if you don't touch the basketball directly, but DM roll. Put them on your feet, Sitara says from behind you. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) And then fly, using the flying cape. (laughs) (laughs) Chaos. Maybe I am chaotic. (laughs) I mean, that actually sounds better than my plan. Yeah, go with that. <laughs> okay. We're going to use a combination of your plans here. Plus, <laughs> of course, the flute. So this is what I would like to do. I would like to take the flute, and I would like to take one of the gloves and jam the flute the inside so that it goes through, like, the, I guess, the middle finger? Yeah, the middle finger, the, the root finger. <laughs> Um, and so use that. Uh, so I now have a magnetic glove on a stick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next, I want to put on the flying cape and I want to take my stick glove and magnetize the basketball and then try to fly okay. the basketball on my stick glove through the hoop. You go to reach for the flute and the crowd boos on the outside. <laughs> Do it with your feet. Okay. Okay, it's fine. Collaborative collaboration. We're ideating. This is a process. <laughs> We're all in this together. Okay. I will, wearing the flying cape, attempt to pick up the stick glove with my feet. <laughs> okay. And what is your skill check for this? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good. Uh, so I've used virtually everything. Um, so I can't do sleight of hand because he's just used it. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Did I already? I haven't done acrobatics yet, and this feels fairly acrobatic. This is definitely, yeah, yeah, this is acrobatic uh, <laughs> with your feet flying through the air with the stick and the magnet and the basketball. <laughs> okay. Um, I As I do this, I, I yell for innovation. Oh, my God. <laughs> 18 plus 3. 21. You pass. (laughs) So with the flute and the cape and the magnetic gloves, you guys score a 4.3 for this tent. (laughs) Yay. Yay. And the crowd cheers at that acrobatics because you just flew through the air with your feet, with a stick, with a magnetic glove, with a basketball and dunked. (laughs) It's very possible I collapse the tent because I don't know how to make the flying cape stop. And so after, like, neatly depositing the thing to the hoop, I just, like, fly into the wall and then just slowly kind of collapse down. Oh, man. All right. So with 
five passes and one failure, you guys might be at the end of the skill challenge as you step inside the fourth tent. The crowd cheers as you step inside this last tent. The full list of tools is available inside the entrance. There is a white envelope with a red seal hanging in the air in a reachable distance. My turn, I suppose? Go for it. I'll reach for it, take it, uh, take out a dagger and pop the seal off, uh, open it up and have a read. The white envelope says, Write and perform a song about this woman. Best song wins. You have five minutes to talk to her and five minutes to write her a song. The principal enters and sits down onto a chair in the middle of the tent. And that is where we are going to take a break, everybody. You have five minutes to get information about her. You can ask any question that you want. We're going to do that off screen. And then we'll take a break and you guys can write a song about her. Because I don't want the questions to be like part of the stuff the audience has to listen to. Okay. Okay. So joining us this time were Satara. This has been a wonderful day. Erin. There's a lot of music for a sports day. And Maximilian. Feel like we achieved some excellent synergies. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes.com. You can subscribe to receive new episodes through your podcast player or by visiting firebreathingkittenspodcast.com or finding us on YouTube. Can you think of someone who might enjoy this podcast? Please share it with them. We don't pay to advertise this show, so the only way we can grow is through the support of listeners like you. Thank you. You can find more adventures on Amazon.com in the bookstore, Fire Breathing Kittens, all one word, podcast. That's right, you can curl up with a good book based on one of our podcast episodes. The authors do a really great job of adapting them into fun novels. We also have official merchandise on Redbubble.com. Yes, that's right, you really can own a notepad with the Fire Breathing Kitten logo on the front or one of your favorite characters. Welcome back to Fire Breathing Kittens, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast. We are joined again by... Sitara. Hello. Aaron. Howdy. And Max Chip Riffman. Hey, hey. <laughs> Everybody, please roll a d20. Uh, yes. Eleven. Nine. Eleven. Okay, the number that I'm holding up to the camera is a... Mm -hmm. six. six. Who's the closest to six? Uh, nine. My nine, maybe? Yeah. yeah. All right, so with a nine, Riffman, tell us what happened last time on Fire Breathing Kittens. When we last joined our intrepid heroes, uh, they... Uh, perused a message board to d discover what missions there might be and found themselves woefully, woefully underqualified for any of them uh, and instead decided to f uh, join uh, join Satara uh, on her noble adventure to support her ward 
uh, in his uh, school sports day event. Uh, they navigated the train station uh, and managed to save a small amount on train tickets through an epic song and dance number by Aaron. Um, took the train and uh, met uh, met Satara's uh, Satara's ward. Participated in some collaborative games that they only occasionally cheated in, um, and eventually commenced. Uh, commenced representing their team in a group challenge whereby they had to solve a series of uh, challenges and obstacles in a series of tents through the use of a number of tools, um, of esoteric tools they were provided with within every tent, uh, with the most points awarded for flute-based solutions. (laughs) Having managed to basically jam a flute into every single tent no matter how useless that flute seemed uh they eventually made it to the last challenge tent where they were instructed to uh compose and perform the principal of the school who has now sat before them and answered their questions and so we rejoin our heroes as they complete their uh, epic sonnet and uh, Aaron prepares to perform it because Max certainly will not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And just to remind our audience, because they don't yet have this information, the principal is an elderly elf female. She has black hair. She translates elven texts as a hobby. She has two sons. She's an athletics official in her spare time for the school and did long jumping in the past. She played in a classical music band in the past and plays a cello. Her favorite food is beans on toast. All right. And so with that, we return to our adventurers. You are all in the tent. And you had your five minutes to get information from the principal, Soyun, Seoyun, S-E-O-Y-U-N, Seoyun, I don't know, Gonzaga, Seoyun. We're going with Seoyun for the song. We're going for Seoyun, yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. You guys have a favorite. Okay. You now leave the tent and head up onto the stage where the principal had been making announcements from earlier. The entire crowd looks at you expectantly. No pressure. (laughs) All right. Yo, backup dancers. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Aaron steps up to the microphone and... uh, taps it and says is this thing on <laughs> it has feedback and everyone in the audience winces <laughs> Ooh, you yes it is all right here we go guys translating some texts sunlight kissing raven hair playing the cello late at night she looks so strong maturity only makes her better bringing up two beautiful sons Jump, leaping far, soaring high, reaching for beans on toast. Strong, say Yoon. Jump, jump, jump. <laughs> I never knew I loved beans on toast. She's principal. Starting whistle, she will blow. Living well. 
I'm so sad the podcast listeners couldn't see the amazing dancing that Sitara was doing in the background. That was awesome. (laughs) The crowd erupts into thunderous applause, cheering, whooping, clapping. The cacophony surrounds you. (laughs) Everyone from the whole school comes in and floods the area. Orin is engulfed by friends. Bruno and Chaloon clap him on the back, and they're greeted by more people from his class. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killed it. Orin wanders off into the crowd being congratulated by his classmates. Players, how are you celebrating? Finding some fried food. Ooh. I mean, that's a good one. Yep, Riffman can get behind that. Sure. Let's go find some fried food. Oh, man. They wander off. And what are you guys each eating? Fried. Funnel cake. Funnel cake. Oh, yes. Uh, one of those... Uh... One of those potatoes on a stick that's been kind of decurled. Yes. <laughs> um, turkey leg. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. All right. What a wonderful celebration. Yes, yes. You are all very distracted. No one notices. Everyone, please take your headphones off. I will wave at you when it's time to come back in, okay? Hi, podcast listeners. They can't hear me. <laughs> This is fun. This segment is called Orin Sees Too Much. (laughs) Orin, the seven-foot-tall iridescent Medusa, has friends cheering all around him. They clap him on the back, and everyone congratulates each other for competing in sports day. Surrounded by the crowd, it's hard to hear Chulun and Bruno's words. Bruno is too small, but Chulun leans in past the snakes, shouting close to Orin the Medusa's ear. But he still can't hear him. The three head away from the crowd so that they can congratulate one another properly. They round the corner of the building and head to an unoccupied swing set surrounded by trees. The roar of the happy crowd now in the distance. They chat leisurely for several minutes. Then, Bruno's communication stone chirps. It's his parents. They're headed for dinner. Would Chulun and Orin like to join? Chulun accepts, but Orin wants to eat with Satara and her friends. He waves goodbye to his friends from the swings as they head back to the sports field. The Medusa swings idly back and forth, smiling. He had such a nice day. After a deep breath and a happy smile, Orin stands up and prepares to head back to Satara. But then, the snakes on his head turn suddenly to the path close to the building, alert. Orin hears a scream with a muffled end. What was that? He sneakily heads over there to investigate. As we zoom out and out, we see the happy, alive necklace that Orin's always wearing flicker. Okay, let's get the players back in. Hi, guys. That was a long time. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a lot happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. You are. The dragon swoops down for its third pass. What? What? You all have fried food sticking out of the edges of your mouths going, huh? Uh, You are cheering and applauding and being surrounded by a crowded circle of amazing congratulations. You wander over to the fried food. You're eating fried food. Some time passes and eventually the entire crowd calms down. What a fun sports day this has been. Perception check? 12. 18. 17 plus 1. 21. Aaron is the only one who doesn't notice. So your funnel cake? The best tasting of all the foods is what we just learned. (laughs) All right. But the other two notice. Sitara's necklace 
an identical match to the one that Orin wears, flickers. The blue glow returns, but dimmer. Hmm. Uh, she kind of taps it to make sure, like, kind of like tap things <laughs> without battery, like, uh, hello. Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> Should that be doing that? No, it's how I channel my magic, but it's also how Oren knows I'm alive. Where, Where is he? She is suddenly very worried. Uh... Chip's like, uh-huh, yep, 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 uh-huh, yep, might be alive. While he's writing down jewelry repair scam, <laughs> question mark, question mark. She is looking for Orin. How is she doing that? Um, She will start very subtly, and if she can't see him within, like, ten seconds, because, you know, he's seven foot tall and has, like, rainbow snake hair, um, she will be <laughs> shooting an Eldritch Blast into the air because that is their emergency SOS plan. Essentially like Marco Polo, but with magic. <laughs> but with Eldritch Blast. <laughs> yeah, you don't see him anywhere in the food stands around you. Yeah, so she's... You shoot that Eldritch Blast into the air? Yeah. Is she... he supposed to shoot one back? Yes. Okay, you look up at the sky, hoping to see an Eldritch Blast from, like, just a few food stalls away. You know, maybe he was getting more ice cream. But alas, there is no returning Eldritch Blast. And the people around you are like, whoa, what was that? Oh my gosh. What's wrong, Satara? I, I, can't, I can't find Orin anywhere, and he's not responding to our, my Eldritch Blast. We've, we have to find him. My, we have to find him. Hmm. Well, where where might he have gone? Um, I, I he's never not responded. I don't. She's panicking. She's panicked, mother hen, at this point, and she's trying to like. Th- she's like, I I don't have any spells to find him. I don't. The, the, the eldritch blast is supposed to work. Hmm. Where's Rufus when you need him? <laughs> right. <laughs> Max is just finishing the potato. <laughs> well, we could start asking people. Uh. Yes, good idea. You you will probably have to lead. I'm panicking. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to walk up to somebody and ask. Okay. Who do you walk up to? Just like a random person? Are you targeting any type of person in particular? Do I see Seoyun? The principal? No, you don't. Hmm. No, it's someone who looks authoritative. Some adult. Okay, you remember that earlier there was a teacher named Ari Kleber? You don't see the mm-hmm. teacher either. So it's just random people and children. I'll ask a random adult then. Okay, there's a snow elf with their big fuzzy ears. They're so fluffy, you want to pet them. A snow elf parent walks by, and you're like, what do you say? I say, hi! Um, I'm oh, sorry, not interested. Friend. Really? <laughs> I've got a boyfriend. And he just walks <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, he's um, holding like a child's hand. And he's like, sorry, I thought you were selling me something. But based on the look of disappointment on your face, I'm going to say I was wrong. Oh, no, we're looking for our friend. Have you seen a Medusa boy with multicolored snake hair? Yeah, your performance in the tent was amazing. But since then? Since then, no. Uh, Should we like? contact a teacher or something yeah probably you now have a snow elf in your party they're gonna wander with you oh okay can't i cast a spell can you 
I think so. <laughs> May I cast a spell? Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're on a largely grassy area, correct? No. <laughs> we just want it grass. This part's not grassy either. We're still on tamped ground. <laughs> Are there any plant life nearby? Um, I mean, like, there's trees over there. And there is a lawn over there. It's just that you're not all walking on it. <laughs> okay. Can I head over to the trees and cast um, Talk with Plants and ask them if they've seen anything? Sure. All right. I'm going to do that. You imbue plants within 30 feet of you with limited sentience and animation, giving them the ability to communicate with you and follow your simple commands. Um, you can question plants about events uh, within the spell's area within the past day, gaining information that have about creatures that have passed, weather, or other circumstances. All right. I can also get them to do things for me, like snare people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, does does the plant life know anything? What are you talking to? Uh, I'm talking to the trees. I think they have the best vantage point. Okay, you're talking to a tall tree because they can see a lot of stuff. The mm-hmm. tree is very impressed with your song. The tree thought that you were a great singer. And it's like, oh, I'm so honored to get to talk to Aaron. Oh. But have you seen the boy with snake hair? Yes, he did such a good job in that tent with you. And then when you guys headed off for fried food, he walked past me around the school. Oh, well, thank you very much. Did you see anything else strange after that? He went with Bruno and Chulun, he describes them. Like, he went with a gnome with a blue cap and a tall orc teenager with a lot of acne. Okay. And they didn't come back? The orc and the gnome did. Oh. Anything else? You're such a good singer. Can I have your autograph? Can you just, like, carve a little A for Aaron into my trunk? Oh, ow. Sure. sure. It's just dead skin. (laughs) All right, guys. So he went off with two of his buddies here. The two buddies came back and he didn't, but it was around the back of the school. Sitara immediately pulls out an axe. She's like ready to go (laughs) beat something. Um, Yeah, this sounds like a prank gone wrong. Can I uh, can I see either Bruno or Talon around? Do a perception check. Yes, ma'am. Uh, oh, that is a four. Even if they are standing on me, I am apparently <laughs> incapable. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Can I see, like, are there any kids miling around or doing things that aren't with an adult? And I promise this is not going where it sounds like it might be. No, no. Um, there are some children playing in the obstacle course because there was a slide there. So they're like going up the slide and going down it. Aww. They're the youngest. Yeah. They're like real young and they're just enjoying themselves. How young? They can talk, but like they, can they can't drive a car. Okay. A carriage. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Can I go over there? Like, uh making a, a silver coin dance along along my knuckles and try to to gather them around and say the uh the kid who uh the kid who brings me uh Bruno Ortolan um who finds me Bruno Ortolan and I'll kind of describe them gets this shiny silver coin uh what's the currency again sorry yeah 
metal. So a shiny silver <laughs> coin. And anyone who helps him gets this shiny copper coin. And I show off the two of them. And I'm, like, I'm making them like dance over my knuckles and disappear in sort of very minor, uh, like not magic, but, you know, sleight of hand. Yeah, yeah, you're like um, a showman with the coins dancing along your knuckles. Yep, that's it. Oh, the kids are so excited. They, like, scatter and they run, like, full run. If you had asked an adult, they would have walked quickly. These kids sprint. They're, like, <laughs> running. And people are like, stop running! And they're like, no! And then they, like, run past them. And within a minute or two, they bring the gnome and the orc to you. Okay, I call over, um, I call over Aaron, um, and then with some slight hesitation, Satara, because she's holding an axe. Um, <laughs> like, I don't remember. Yeah. So uh, I call them over, and I'm like, "Were these the were these the kids you're looking for? They all kind of look alike to me. <laughs> if they don't have an investment fund, I just really they just blur into one. <laughs> one child." <laughs> Satara uh, is like. I give, sorry, I do give oh. the kids the. Uh, how many kids did this? How many Ten. kids brought them back for me? Just so I know how much money to take off. Ten. Okay, so I I will give out one silver uh, piece and nine copper pieces for the assistant minions. <laughs> right. Sounds great. Satara uh, looks at the boys and she goes, "Where is Oren? He's not with you." When we split up, he said he was going to go back to you. Obviously, he is not with me. Where is he? This whoa, whoa. I, like, I don't know. I, I <laughs> And they're crying. They're crying. You've made children cry. Sitara does not care until she gets her hands on Orin. <laughs> they're just like weeping. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. These are teenagers. They can use a little trauma. <laughs> All right. Wow. I want that on a t-shirt. American culture. Okay. So they don't know where he is. I don't know. Do you guys think we should just go check out the back of the school? Maybe we'll pick up a trail? Uh, Riff's a pretty skilled dissembler. Did the kids seem like they were on the level? Do an insight check. Oh, not 20. So for like 24. With a natural 20, you'd say that they are telling the truth and they look afraid. Not just of Satara, but for their genuine friend. Uh, Riffle uh, le- uh, lean over to Satara and say, I think, they're, uh, I think they might be telling the truth. So if you're going to axe one, maybe <laughs> just like take a limb. <laughs> oh. Uh, I think, and then she kind of realizes that she's like looking really aggressive, and she like puts the axe stick next to her side, and she just goes, uh, "Uh, no, not killing children. We we back of the school. Yes. All right, let's go. We march off to the back of the school, and she is like jogging. She's gone. She's going. <laughs> uh, as as he leave as he leaves, uh." Riff will turn around to uh, Chip will turn around to to the kids and go. You can think of this as having missed out on a murder, but I would encourage you to think of this as a life opportunity. And then he just wanders off. Oh no! It had like TM after it, didn't it? Like life opportunity TM. Oh no! Oh, Pit okay. and pending. 
<laughs> so you head around the school. There is a lawn now. There you go. This is not the sports field. Mm-hmm. At the edge of the lawn, near the trees, is a swing set. There's nobody back here. What is, is there any tamped down grass, like tracks in it? Yeah, I was going to say nature check for tracks. Is that what that is? Sure. Mm-hmm. You can also six. roll survival. Adds a six for nature and an eight for survival. I don't think any of those. Okay. You would say that if there were tracks here, they were covered up by the excessive amount of people using this area and that it's all muddled with the other footsteps and other people around. Cool, cool, cool. And then I'll be right back. Hmm. What are we supposed to do, guys? I don't know, but if we don't find Sitara's kid, it will break her. <laughs> she will be broken. On the flip side, though, there's a lot of other kids here. At this age, they're and they basically all blend into one. They're all the same, exactly. right? They're interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, this is her one weakness. The one pressure point that you can make her do anything for. <laughs> Writes that down. <laughs> Threaten her child and she will do anything. Um, I don't know. Satara would know. She's in full panic mode at this point. She shoots off okay. a few more Eldritch Blasts. <laughs> yeah. She's just out of frustration. <laughs> well, oh, wait, there's grass here. Should I use talk to plants again and see if these pla- this, if this grass can tell us what happened? Yeah. We could try going in the school, maybe. Okay. I'm trying to think of... What's at the periphery of this clearing? I know you said the, the swings near the back. Is there like a fence there? It's trees. It looks like forest. Okay. Is the snow elf still with us? Did he see Sitara, like, threaten children? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He kind of, like, wandered away. Okay. (laughs) After you threatened the kids, like, with his own quietly. And he was like, shh, my son, don't look. And then, like, backed away slowly. (laughs) Yeah, I got his kid away from you, for sure. Don't mess with the crazy lady. It was when you took out the axe, I think, that was when you lost him. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, she wasn't going to get arrested again. Not by him. He's running away. <laughs> um, Max doesn't, like, do forests, but if somebody else wants to check the tree line to see if there's tracks heading into it, he would support that morally from <laughs> far away. And then mechanically what you guys know is that with your failure on the nature check earlier, you're, it's all very muddled. This area okay. is in high use. There's many footprints overlapping one another in many directions. I- including heading into the forest? Oh, yeah. And into the school and back to the okay. field. Yeah. Can she so- look specifically mm-hmm. for his necklace? Yeah, with a different skill. Yeah. Perception, I guess. Investigation. Yeah. 11. Plus, I'm rolling my die of inspiration. Seven. Eighteen. Ooh. Okay, so with an eighteen, glinting in the leaves, you find a bottle cap. You're amazingly perceptive, and you don't know how you found this trash. You're like, wow, I'm so good at finding things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's she's a little more in self-control because she's like, okay, his, his necklace isn't here, so that means he's probably not dead. But we, we've got to find him. And with the glowing of your own necklace, you know that it would be out if he was dead. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, do, do you guys have any idea? Uh, I don't know where else to search. He, he, I, I sent him here to be safe. Here's a question for Chip, or shall I say, for Maximilian Riffman. You grew up in boarding schools. Yes. Right? Yeah. Did you know that your parents sent you here to be safe because they loved you? Uh, they sent me to boarding school to acquire a vast panoply of skills, and I strongly suspect to keep me out from under daddy's feet. Apparently, my need for affection was <laughs> problematic <laughs> for revenue purposes. Oh. oh my goodness. So how are you reacting when Satara is talking about the reasons why she sent her ward or in Spice to boarding school? Um, he kind of looks at, looks at her, uh, askance and says, boarding school to be, to be safe. That seems counterintuitive. This is where wedgies are born. <laughs> uh, she would look back at you and just kind of like, she takes a second and she's just like weighing the pros and cons of like letting these people know more of her backstory and finally she's just like whatever finds the kid uh and she says we i i found him in a forest after he had been abandoned by his town because something happened that made him a medusa and he has powers and he couldn't control them but i have to make money so i adventured but i didn't want him to die so i figured a school would be safe because he would be in one place and so he would be safe he would have friends and i wouldn't have to worry about him dying or going missing though obviously i chose the wrong school and she's just like <laughs> hopping up and level an octave as she continues to like pan mother hen panic it, it all makes perfect sense for Chip as soon as she says, like, it was getting in the way of work. He's like, ah, yep, yep, yep. With you, uh, Ted Vaughn. Um, well, did you say he was, do you say he grew up in a forest? Uh, Maybe well, he's uh, inclined to head back into them. And you guys should definitely go check that out. <laughs> Do you have arborphobia? And Satara uh, is just like asking you this. And I don't know if that's actually the name for fear of trees, but it makes sense in my brain. It does make sense. Yeah. Says no. I thought it was dendrophobia, but let me look. But denters are teeth. Dendro. Dendrocyte. <laughs> They're tree like. Oh. Uh, he, he shakes his head and like whips out his diagramming board. And he, he diagrams and he's got like forest, branches, suit, tear, sad face. <laughs> and he just like draws connecting lines from the top, from each step. Oh, okay. Well, Riff, in, just in case you wanted to know, yes, the word is dendrophobia. There you go. Nice. Look at you with your vocabulary. Nice. Yeah, Aaron is well studied. <laughs> Especially about land organisms. That's <laughs> off kilter. Well, maybe it's that you were like, what is that thing? And they're like, it's a tree. And you're like, I don't like it. And then <laughs> like, what do you have, dendrophobia? Do, do you think dendrophobia would also apply to having a fear of kelp forests under the sea? Oh. <laughs> Fire-breathing kittens. <laughs> Fire-breathing kittens, the therapy session. <laughs> I have no idea what you're Googling right now to possibly get an answer to that question. 
fear of kelp. Is that a thing? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Fikiaphobia. What? It's a thing? <laughs> F-Y-K-I-A. That's actually a pretty common fear, so I'm, I would be shocked if that was not named. Oh, that's really? It's a fear afraid, of seaweed. Afraid of the seaweed. Huh. You can't find good kelp these days. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, uh, missing child also, I guess, (laughs) a problem. (laughs) Looks between you two and just says, uh, "Forest school, someone else decide." I feel like the school's a little more likely. That forest looks intimidating, especially for the double-breasted among us. And he like plays with the buttons. Okay, uh, to the school. Yes, we've learned that splitting up the party is a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, you head into the school. You open the door and enter the building. Stepping inside, the floors are tile, not carpet or hardwood. The walls are painted brick, and the ceiling is some kind of industrial, who knows. You head into the school and encounter a hallway that splits to the left and to the right. I feel like we usually go to the left, so shall we? Sitar is good with that. Yep. All right. You're walking down the hallway for a while. Perception check? Eight. Thirteen. Thirteen as well. For the thirteens, do a roll-off. Just roll a second time. It's easiest. Do you want us adding modifiers to the roll-off? Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. There's a dirty 20 for Satara. Uh, Fourteen. All right. Satara hears... The sound of footsteps. Someone is jogging behind you. Um, she would whirl, raise her axe, and say, who goes there? Oh my, you see Orin round a corner, panting, out of breath. He doubles over to catch his breath, and the iridescent snakes get jumbled around as, pushing his arms off of his knees, he flips his head up and straightens. There's that familiar youthful smile. <laughs> he laughs at your axe. <laughs> Satara would, like, drop her axe and, like, tackle hug him. Ah, you tackle hug him. He he hugs you back. <laughs> and she's just like, I, I didn't know where you were. You disappeared. I thought you were dead. I mean, I knew you weren't dead, but I thought you were dead or dying. And she's just like mumble like an anime <laughs> where like all the words fill up the screen. <laughs> he mumbles back. He's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I uh, I just I got separated and I left my bag in the auditorium. I It's over there. And he like starts to walk that away. She's not leaving him. She's following, and she's kind of checking on her companions to make sure they're following as well. Yep. Yep. Meandering along. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, you guys are following him into the auditorium? Yes. All right. Orin raises an eyebrow at Aaron. Uh, do a perception check. Uh-oh. All of us or just Aaron? Just Aaron. 18. Oh, yeah. He's checking you out. Oh, the duly noted. All right. Isn't he a kid? He's definitely underage. Mm, okay. Yep. 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 And uh, Chip, what do you say to Orin as you're walking along towards the auditorium? This won't mean much to you, kid, but you have my eternal gratitude for not being in that forest. <laughs> <laughs> he chuckles and then says, sure. No problem, chap. Sir, uh, Chip. Oh, 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 Chip. Sorry. Yeah. Gives a gives him like a a smile that absolutely does not reach his eyes. 
Uh-oh. All right. And you guys are almost at the auditorium now. He's reaching his hand for the door when he turns around and says to you guys, thank you so much for coming to Sports Day because I would have been all alone without you. I really appreciate it. Of, of course, I wouldn't miss any of your performances for the world, but are we leaving? I figured there would be a dinner. Oh, yeah, sure. Let me just get my bag. And as he turns to go into the auditorium, his chest turns around. You're used to seeing the flap of his necklace against his gray toga. So you notice that he's not wearing one. And he steps into the auditorium. Oh, Satara is tackling. She is... She is... If her brain notices that it doesn't have he doesn't have the necklace, she is like... Not full on murder yet, but she is pinning person down. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you like flying tackle leap, tackle or into the ground. The seven foot tall Medusa with the iridescent snakes goes down. What are you doing to him? <laughs> this is where I thought the perception check was going. Just a heads up. <laughs> um, and she, and she, as she's on top of him and like has him down, she... Um, looks him dead in the eye and says, where is your necklace? You should not ever take that off. And my son would never take that off. Who are you? Oh, you said the classic phrase, who are you? Upon that, the form underneath your weight shifts and changes. He first changes into an earthworm just to escape your grasp, and then into a rock, which is a huge bird that like flings you off of him with just the size of it. And he flies, flaps his wings and flies towards the stage, uh, turning into a sparrow to hide among the curtains. Medusas aren't shapeshifters, right? Nope. Okay. Um, Sitara would quickly turn and just look at her companions and say, not my son we need him alive but only barely alive to tell me where my son is so just do what you need to do should we just verify that this is not a bronze dragon first oh she don't care she will fight god she will go fight any god for this kid so if you want her to stop i mean you can try to convince her but she don't care uh aaron pulls out the bug catching net from the challenges earlier that he pilfered yeah, <laughs> starts going, catch it, catch it. Oh, you walk towards the curtains? Sure. Okay, where's everybody else? And um, let's use your initiative from earlier, which is Satara, Aaron, Max. So we're going to be at mm-hmm. Aaron in there. And I will just add in. There we go. Oh, by the way, your average from earlier was 3.45. Oh, nice. Cool. Okay, Sandy, sorry. I'm just writing stuff down and I see that. Okay, so... Aaron is up on the stage, uh, playing in the curtains, doing something like that? Sure. All right. Max, where are you standing and how far away are you from the stage? You're in an auditorium. There's many empty chairs. There's a 10-foot space in front of the chairs, and then the chairs slope upward towards a large, like, empty space and towards a back wall. Uh, Okay. Um, Chip's dangerous answers would be at about 22 uh, on a scale of 10. Uh, He's gets attempted murdered enough times to to know when that might be coming. Um so he would be uh palming uh palming uh Tracy and Lucy, his uh short sword and dagger in, in his right and left hand respectively, not like all the way in his hands, but reversed inside ghosting um ghosting towards the stage, trying to keep the chairs between him 
to see if, if there's any place he can hide uh, or at least make himself less visible. He'll do that to get within maybe about 15 feet of the stage. Okay, we're going to put you 15 feet away from the stage, ducking between the first and second row of chairs. Cool. The stage is an elevated platform about six feet up from the ground. The ground is concrete. There are rows of, like, the chairs are all, like, fused into one Mm -hmm. using metal. It's like a row of chairs. And you're between the first and second row of chairs, 15 feet away. Aaron, you're uh, in the curtains. Satara, Mm -hmm. where are you? Um, she's running towards the stage with, so she would get as close as she could and like, she's holding her axe up, um, cause she has not replaced her dagger from the last time she lost it, um, to try, she's getting ready to chuck an axe at a bird. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put you also on the stage zero feet away. Okay. So let's start the rounds. Aaron, you can go ahead. You are in the curtains. Tell us what you're doing. I am attempting to catch a sparrow with a bug catching net. <laughs> okay. Roll a d20 and add your strength modifier to it. Okay. So my d20 is an 18, and my strength modifier is probably not great. Uh, zero. So 18. You smack that curtain with your bug catching net like a person beating out a carpet on a clothesline. Like, whap! And a bunch of dust flies off of it. A sound surrounds you from all directions. It's an audience jeer. Everyone, please make a constitution saving throw as as you stand up on this stage or hide behind chairs, the entire audience boos you as like a spectral audience. Just makes you feel like you did the worst performance of your entire life. It's like stage fright, but worse. A Satara got a nat one plus (laughs) one, which is a two. Yeah. <laughs> Being on stage is terrifying. <laughs> 12. 13. Maximilian Chip Riffman is the only one who does not become nauseous. Nauseous means that you're experiencing stomach distress. Nauseated creatures are unable to attack, cast spells, concentrate on spells, or do anything else requiring attention because your attention is elsewhere. Cough, cough. The only action such a character can take is a single move action per turn. So, uh... The jeers of the audience around you just make you double over, and uh, you're busy. You're, you're not. <laughs> uh, mm. I guess. Uh, I guess you need a sense of shame in order for audience jeers to affect you. So, Max uh, just shrugs it off. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I get booze all the time. This is normal to me. <laughs> if this affected my lifestyle, I wouldn't live this lifestyle. <laughs> Are they saying go, Max? (laughs) (laughs) After Aaron, it's Max's turn. Your friend is on the stage nauseous, shall we say. He's experiencing stomach distress. Oh, yeah, both of your friends are. I mean, Fred's a strong term. We met this morning. Uh, There's been no blood bonds made uh, at this point. Uh, Can I see the bird thing? No. Uh, So what I see is a curtain. With uh, Mm -hmm. Aaron flailing away at it with his (laughs) netcatcher? He was, yeah. And now he and Satara are both doubled over on the stage decorating it. Right. Um, I want no part of that. Um, (laughs) So uh, Max will, uh, having given up on hiding, since the audience can clearly uh, see him, um, he will climb up onto one of the chairs, hop up onto it, Um, and try to take a really thorough look around 
to see if he can spot anything about the room that he hasn't seen before. So beyond just the curtains, his friend, the stage and the chairs, if anything at all kind of catches his eye. Mm. So yeah, there's a curtain there. Smacked it with a bug catching net. You're perceiving there's some movement going on in the curtain, although there's not a wind. Okay. What In that case, what I will try to do is use my movement and my bonus action to move over to the bottom bottom of the stage so that the, the kind of peak of it is blocking me from the sight of the curtain and try Ooh, yeah. and try to hide. All right, do a stealth check. Uh, that is a nine plus three for a total of 12. You are hidden. Nice. All right. Is that the end of your turn? Yes, sorry. Okay, I'm going to roll because both Satara and Aaron are on this stage. Satara. <laughs> You're terribly frightened of being on stage. You're not sure why. It's all very confusing. And then from above you, a... Um, when in ambush form, the curtain is difficult to tell apart from normal creatures. Upon unfurling, the horrifying eight-foot wingspan of the curtain engulfs and begins to consume its prey. <laughs> so... Dropping on you from above with a 21 to hit. Does that hit you? Oh, that that very much so hits me. (laughs) One of those curtains just like heavily drops down from the roof, unfurls and envelops you and you're completely enveloped by a thick fabric curtain. I'm picturing that it's a dark maroon color, but you know, it could be whatever you guys want. And uh, for some reason, it does nine piercing damage to you. This is what happens when you combine a manta ray with stage fright. <laughs> so, it is trying to attach itself to your head and envelop your body. You are blinded and unable to breathe while the curtain is attached. So please mark that you're unable to breathe. Each round that passes is six seconds. Okay. While attached, this curtain can blah, blah, blah. And we'll deal with that later. So after the curtain, it is Satara's turn. Um, are, Is she still nauseous? Yes. So I can't, like, cast anything. Unable to attack, cast spells, concentrate on spells, or do anything else requiring attention. Uh, You became nauseous for 1d4 plus 1 rounds. So that is 3 rounds for Satara, and that is 2 rounds for Eren. Okay. Okay. Um... Oh, wait. Can Cure Wounds fix this? But I can't cast spells. Um... (laughs) Sorry. No, it's fine. I just... Trying to think of... A creature, including the target, can take its action to detach the curtain by succeeding on a strength check. She's going to do that. <laughs> there we go. And she rolled a 19 plus zero, so 19. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You rip that thing off your head, and it, like, hisses as you, like, fling it to the ground or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then she hops off the stage. Okay. Past Riffman onto the flat floor in between the first row of chairs and the stage. Yep. Okay, you are detached. That is one round of your nausea over, two rounds left. Sweet. Aaron, you're nauseous. I am still nauseous, and all I can do is move or try to and, and wait for the nausea to pass. Yeah. Like, I'm, you run okay. while decorating and then decorate over there. <laughs> I'm going to run away from the curtain thing. Okay. All right. How far do you get and, like, where are you going? I think 30 feet and uh, towards the rest of the party. Okay. You can downgrade your action to a movement so you can move 60 total. So I guess you go into the chairs. 
Yeah. Uh, is that how how far away from me are the rest of the group? You're on the stage. Riffman's yeah. ducking under the stage, like between the stage and the chairs. And mm-hmm. Satara is between the stage and like, aren't you like near the chairs or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like okay, off the so stage, but not like terribly far away. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to go a full 60 feet. I'm, I, I want to stay close to the rest of my party. So I'm just going to go to where they are and stop. Got it. One of your two rounds of nausea is over. Yep. Max, a question for you. Mm-hmm. You're currently hidden. You could just sneak out that door out of the auditorium, like just go sideways, you know, keeping your head ducked underneath the stage. And you could just like dip out of here. Is If you haven't built any attachments to your fellow people throughout the day, if you don't care about Sitara and Aaron, why aren't you doing that? Because in, in Max's experience, uh, if you leave shapeshifters that want to kill you alive... You end up having to prod every shower curtain you walk you walk past for the rest of your life. So uh, Max is following uh, Daddy's one of Daddy's old wisdoms, which is the best kind of uh, enemy is one you've stabbed, decapitated, burned, dug up, then burnt again. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so this isn't out of any special attachment to his friends. He's just worried that a coat rack will come for him one night. okay all right well then you perceive that there is one of the curtains separates itself from the others Mm -hmm. and becomes the um principal and starts to slowly slink away from the stage while the other curtain is like rawr and like whirling between satara and aaron like trying to pick who to eat next and it's your turn can i see any uh, is the principal shapeshifter thing uh, looking towards where Max is now? No, she's got her back turned to you. Remember, she's an elderly elf with black hair, and she's trying to, like, slowly creep. She's got, like, the Scooby-Doo style, like, two hands raised like a T-Rex and, like, one knee raised into the air, and she's tiptoeing off of the stage, hoping that nobody notices her. She doesn't notice you either. Okay, can Max fall in behind her um, and go for a, go for a strike? Um, yeah, your stealth was high enough. You rolled mm-hmm. your stealth last turn. Nobody sees you. Okay. How many feet away is she? Within 30 feet, because she's up that a few feet onto the stage and then like 10 feet on the stage. Oh, perfect. And she's moving. She's like 11 feet, 12 feet. Okay. So before she gets too far, he's going to try to soundlessly leap up on, kind of glide onto the stage and go mm-hmm. for, like, he's not going to aim for true vitals, but he's going to aim for something like a hamstring or something that's that's non-lethal but will hurt like hell. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Roll to hit. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is the short sword attack. The main gauche. Uh, uh, eight. You miss. Uh, okay. And the, the passing of the air behind her hamstring alerts her to your presence. Let me do a perception check on her to see if she notices that actually. Yeah, she would have. Okay, so she is alerted to your presence. She turns around and is shocked to see you there and hasn't yet reacted. Okay, uh, I'm going to go for the uh, for the bonus action second attack with the offhand uh, dagger. <laughs> okay. Because I believe uh, 16 plus 6, uh, 22. A 22 hits her. Where does it hit her? Uh, I'm still aiming for like... Uh, calves, knees, thighs, legs. 
Okay, so you swipe down low to the ground and you try to, like, immobilize her? Yeah. Right? Okay, got it. Roll your damage. Uh, okay, dokie. Do I get sneak attack damage on this? I think mechanically that so, turn, sneak attack is per turn, not per attack, right? Yes, or is it... so once per turn, you can deal an additional 3d6 damage to yeah. one creature with an attack with a finesse or ranged weapon if you have advantage on the attack roll. Technically, I probably should have yes. had advantage on the short sword roll because I was hidden. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know so what you want to do. Yes. Okay. You have sneak attack damage on your non-lethal attack. Okay. Also, just for yep. the audience, she has four hit points. So <laughs> what did you just do? <laughs> well, I actually, it came close to not killing her, but uh, five plus three, eight. I rolled two, one, one, one across four dice. So that's a total of eight. Okay. So she's very much not conscious, but because you were choosing to hamstring her and not kill her, like if you'd said, I sink my dagger into her chest, she would be very dead right now. You so you should feel very powerful because normal people, you can just NPC, like you can just kill. <laughs> so, uh, but she's not dead. She's just unconscious. He kind of, uh, he kind of looks to the left and looks to the right and he's got 20 feet of movement uh left um so he is going to sidle away (laughs) (laughs) okay you can leave the auditorium with 20 feet of movement i'd like to get to the doors but not actually leave Mm -hmm. so i have the option of leaving but i'm still i'm still there but i have the option of slinking off (laughs) okay you are next to the doors just may have murdered a pensioner do 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that old elf did not take that knife to the legs very, very well. She's down. Yeah. All right. Is that the end of your turn? Yes. <laughs> okay. After your turn, it's the curtain's turn. The curtain's going to roll a dice because you're, you're both delicious, nauseous people are within pretty much the same distance. And it's going to go for Aaron this time. It swoops like picture like wings. <laughs> But it's a curtain. It's like the evil Doctor Strange cloak. And he comes after Aaron, enveloping him. Rolled a hit. Does a 14 hit you, Aaron? It does. It does eight piercing damage to you as it sinks its teeth into you, completely envelops you. You can't breathe. And you're blind. And that's the end of its turn. It's going to try to eat you. Okay, and when I'm inside of it, I can do a strength try to get it off, but I can't do, like, spells or skills. Um, well, you're nauseous is why you can't do spells or attack. I thought I was done being nauseous this turn. Um, it is not your turn yet. You have two turns of nausea. You did one. Gotcha. Uh-huh. So at the end of the curtain's turn, it is Satara's turn. You're nauseous for your second oh. turn out of three. You can't attack, cast spells, or do anything else requiring attention. But you mm-hmm. do notice that Riff is by the door. Do I notice the the principal? Yeah, yeah, she went down with a, a scream. Cool. I can't do anything that requires concentration, which means I probably wouldn't know if she was within range of the curtain. Uh, or I couldn't, like, tie her up just to make sure she can't get away. Um, I guess she's just going to hang out because she's nause- nauseous while still, like, looking around to see if she can find Oren, but it's not super efficient (laughs) are you surprised or resigned that riff looks like he's gonna bail i think she's just kind of like 
I'll deal with that later. Like, we'll, we'll unbox those emotions and the pissiness of leaving your t- teammates behind after she's, you know, not sick to her stomach and not looking for her child. Yeah. All right. And then you can try to take the curtain off of Aaron. Um, I don't think a strength oh. check is. Yeah. Then, yeah, she'll go try to take it off of Aaron then. Okay. Wow, look at you. Teamwork. She's demonstrating. Teamwork. <laughs> Do a strength check. It's an 11. Oh, you fail. Okay. All right. Is that the end of your turn? Yep. Okay. Aaron, it's your turn. You're nauseous for the second out of two turns, which means that you cannot attack, cast spells, or concentrate on spells. Can I do a strength check? Yes. There's a curtain on your head, and it's trying to eat you. You can't breathe. All right. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I am going to roll my d20. I got a 14. You fling the curtain off of yourself and gasp air. Yeet. The curtain is flung five feet away back onto the stage. And Aaron, you notice the form of a... Looks kind of like a human male on the stage with its legs very bloody. A human male with its legs very bloody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that the end of your turn? I think so. Max, we're I'm back no to you. longer nauseous. <laughs> That's true. Max, we're back to you. Okay, so I would have seen them pull the thing off their faces and fling it onto the stage. Yes, Aaron did that. Okay. Is there a route uh, back towards it where Max could kind of break its line of sight to himself, if indeed it has any? So like, can he like run uh, under the stage, use it to kind of hide a little bit and then just pounce on it? Yes. Okay. That is what he would like to do. He would use his bonus action to as a cunning action to hide along the route mm-hmm. and then kind of just like sprint at it and then pounce on it with his short sword. Sure. Roll your stealth check. Ten. This time it sees you. It got a 15 on its perception check. Okay. So you're not hidden, but you can continue with the rest of your action. Well, I presumably probably wouldn't even notice that it doesn't, uh, doesn't see me, so I... Continue charging out. Um, I don't have my bonus action anymore, so it's just my just my short sword. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to uh, pounce out and just basically try to stab the the curtain thing and try to like pin it to the stage if I can. Oh yeah, yeah. And a six damage. Six damage. Got it. You stab the curtain, and it's super weird that blood comes out. That is weird. <laughs> Do I have any movement left? Sure. So I've got mobility, which means that anything that I hit can't take attacks of opportunity against me. So I am just I've kind of like run in, stabbed it, and now I'm just booking it in literally any direction. <laughs> okay. Uh, so like I'll get as far as I can away from it along the stage. Got it. You ran past your friends, like ducking under the stage in that further direction. Yeah. So all they would have seen is... Uh, Riff comes sprinting out from the doorway, fail at hiding, <laughs> stab it, and then just keep running, like, tipping his hat as he goes past. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At the end of your turn, it's the curtain's turn. Satara, it comes for you. It envelops you. You can't breathe. You take seven piercing damage. Nam, mm-hmm. says the curtain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Satara's kind of hurt. 
Yeah. And this is your last round of nausea. We're back to you. You find yourself unable to attack or yeah. but a do strength spells? check to get Can... undone. Yeah. Oh, why is she doing so bad? Um, that's a six. You struggle, but collapse to your knees with the curtain's weight oppressively on you. Cool, cool, cool. Is that the end of your turn? Yep. Okay. Aaron, it's your turn. Okay. I'm going to cast Suggestion. Um, I already rolled for this, got a non-natural 20, and it needs to make a wisdom. Please read the spell. Oh, yep. I have right here. Uh, you suggest a course of activity limited to a sentence or two and magically influence a creature you can see within range that can hear you and understand you. Uh, it must be worded in a um, manner to make it sound. Uh, what? Keep going. It must be worded in a manner to make it seem uh, reasonable. You cannot ask the creature to harm itself. It must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, it must pursue the course of action you have described to the best of its ability. Um, it can be for the duration or the entire duration up to eight hours. If it's something that can be finished shorter than that, then the spell ends when it is over. You can have certain triggers. What are you saying? And in what language are you saying it? Uh, I'm going to say it in common because I think everything speaks common. And I am going to say, stop, fold yourself up in a neat pile on the floor and wait for further instructions. It makes a sucking sound and continues eating your friend. It doesn't Lovely. speak common. Oh. Okay. It does speak some languages, but common. Is primordial one of them? Well, no, and it wouldn't matter. All right. Okay. So <laughs> it's not a primordial curtain. <laughs> That's not good. Curtains can eat your friend. Oh. At the end of Aaron's turn, we're back to Max. Max, you ran off in that direction. Can it still see me from where the, the curtain is sitting? The curtain's a little distracted. It's not paying attention to you at all. It's distracted by the fact that it's eating Satara. Yeah, it doesn't see. It doesn't care about you. <laughs> okay, uh, so if I am, am I sufficiently hidden or would you like me to hide from it? If you're going to try to get sneak attack damage, then you'll need to be hidden. Okay, uh, I will use my... But it's not going to like attack you. Like, if that, like you're not high on its priority list. Okay. In that case, I will uh, I will attempt. I will use my bonus action to hide. Hmm. Uh, okay. That is a. Tw- Going to do a perception check here. Got a three. You're probably hidden. Yeah, twenty one. I'm pretty goddamn hidden. <laughs> and so I will basically attempt to do the same trick, but in reverse, where I basically run past, hmm. try to try to stay out of its sight until the last moment, and then um, try to like jam my sword in some way where I don't slice their face off okay um, uh whose face uh the person's wrapped around me yeah that's sitar right yeah yep um so I- okay well um so what do you mean when you say that you're how are you what are you doing so basically what i want to do ideally is run up grab like grab a fold of this thing with my left hand like yank mm. it forward and then jam my sword in to the kind of space i create okay you 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 would think that would work with a mm. fabric curtain, but this is a creature mm-hmm. with weird muscles inside this fabric. And when you tug on it, you try to separate it, and mechanically you can't attack it without attacking Satara. Uh, okay. Would would that be obvious, or would I should I hit her? Your fingers slip on its fabricy exterior, which you realize now is not fabric, 
you do attempt to do that, and it's very clever that you do that. And this animal slash creature slash monster, uh, you yeah, you you cannot separate it from Satara. Okay, can I try to pull it off her face? Yeah, you like, can do a properly. strength check. Yep. Okay. Yeah. This is this is set your expectations low. <laughs> yeah, that's an eight. You tug on it and you tug on it and it just makes more slurping sounds. Uh, okay. I will say that is a learning opportunity. <laughs> and if I have any <laughs> movement left, I will back off. Okay. You back off. <laughs> it does not make an attack of opportunity against you. It actually is incapable of that. It is a curtain. Um, so <laughs> things. All right. At the end of your turn, it is the curtain's turn. The curtain's going to try to attack Satara. It has advantage because it's enveloping you. So it definitely hits you. It didn't, it didn't make a critical hit, though. That's good. Um, and then, Satara, you take 10 piercing damage. Satara is out. She was kneeling before with the curtain enveloping her, and now she slumps to the ground. Because she is at negative four hit points. Curtain's going to eat you. And now it's your turn. Please make a death saving throw. <sighs> what die do I use? Which die is not going to kill me? Because they've <laughs> all tried to kill me today. Um, 17. Do I add anything to that? No. Nope, that's a pass. Yay. You got a pass. You did not... uh, But yeah, every time an enemy hits you, it's two failures. So as it continues to attack you, it's going to make you dead pretty soon. Aaron, it's your turn. Can I cast Cure Wounds on Satara? I don't think you can cast Cure Wounds on someone you can't see. But if it's just my head... Yeah, I mean, part of her is sticking out, right? Nope, she's enveloped and can't breathe. Com- but completely, no, no feet sticking out, nothing. You can't touch yeah, her. Yeah, I have to touch them. Okay. Yeah. So, so you can't cure wounds on her. You can cure wounds on the curtain. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Um, How far away is Riff? Within 10 feet of you. 10 feet of me. Can I get to a spot where the where I am within 15 feet of the curtain, but not of Riff? Yes, you can clamber over the chairs and go into the auditorium a bit. Maybe like get to the fourth row, and then you can be within fifteen feet of the curtain. And not okay, if. I'm going to do that for my for my movement, and then I am going to cast Thunder Wave. A wave of thunderous force reaches out from you. A creature in a fifteen foot cube or, uh, must make a Constitution saving throw. On a failed save, it takes 2d8 thunder damage and is pushed 10 feet away. Uh, successful, it takes half as much damage and is not pushed. It rolled a 17 on the dice. Okay, so I need to make my roll. Satara, you take the amount of damage he's about to say, and that counts as a failure. Actually, um, two failures when you take damage when you're injured. So that is two failures, Satara. She's not shielded from this by the curtain? No. I'll hear her. I'll hear her in a minute because this is this is this 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 is going to push the curtain off of her. Correct? No, that is incorrect. It passed the save, huh? It passed the save. Yeah, it, it, on a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage and isn't pushed. Oh, all right. So one d eight. I rolled an eight. Okay, so eight damage. Eight damage to the curtain. Okay, you would say that the curtain like looks real bad. Like the curtain looks awful. Um, if 
If you were going to make a guess as to how many hit points the curtain had less had left, you would be like, wow, that thing is not dead. That's amazing. It's just hanging on. Okay. Satara has two fails and one pass. That ends Aaron's turn. <laughs> Max, it's your turn. If the curtain is allowed to hit Satara again, she will permanently die. Right. That's not ideal. Yep. <laughs> and then if you guys... If I die and you don't save Orin, I will have no backup character. <laughs> um, no pressure. No pressure. Okay. But I will say the curtain looks real bad. And also, you know already that you can't separate the damage that Sitara, the person inside in the curtain take. Right you are. Um, okay, I don't have much of a toolkit here, I won't lie to you. Um, looking at my inventory... <laughs> Is there anything in here that could help? Almost certainly not. Panicking. Um. Yeah, taking two failing saving throws from the thunder wave was brutal. Uh, okay. Um, literally nothing for it. Um, he is going. He is going to run over and attempt to. Uh, to pull it off um please work please work i don't want your characters to die eh, it's fine it happens okay i'm sorry that's a copped uh i'm really sorry that's an eight now did you use your bardic inspiration dice from earlier in the day i thought he only gave it to her i mean i i you, you could have gotten one as well from any of the talks that we've had sure uh, that is, uh, what is, what's your bardic inspiration? A d8? D8. That is a 6 plus 8 for a total of 14. Yay! It's DC 14 strength check. <laughs> you rip the curtain off of Sitara. <laughs> uh, Yay, you don't die. Do you have a bonus action to finish it off? Uh, I, I don't think I can use, I don't think I can attack as a bonus action if I haven't attacked as my primary action. If that, that's correct. If that's, uh, if that's right. Um, so all I can yeah. do as a bonus, I can move as a bonus action, basically. Um, or I can dash disengage. Um, so uh, given that he's comparatively unhurt and she's dying, he's going to use his uh, bonus action to dash. And by dash, I mean literally just throw himself, uh, throw himself on top of her gently so he doesn't kill her um but like with it with his dagger with his daggers up with his dagger and short sword up um uh, satara you're unconscious but this is very cute and he definitely indeed intends to steal her wallet um on the next round but he just doesn't have quite enough movement so he's trying to look heroic while also scoping out where her valuables are Yay! I'm so glad Satara didn't die. Yes. Oh this is like a theme goodness. for her, man. She just almost dies every single time. She's still got to pass a death save or get saved. Yeah. Oh, man. It's the enemy's turn. Yeah, Satara, you, if you fail this next death saving throw, you could die anyway. Oh, man. Okay, so it's the enemy's turn. It's going to go for... I mean, you've got a knife at it, so it's going to go for Aaron. Like, it's not dumb. If it moves away from me... Yeah, it's going to try to run away. So it's going to try to dash away from you. If it does that, technically I get attacks of an attack of opportunity. Um, probably, though, disadvantaged because I'm lying on my back 
like ah, flail, flail. Yeah, I think you're you're prone, right? So let's check those prone rules. Are you prone? I fell on my back. A prone creature's only movement option is to crawl. The creature has disadvantage on attack rolls. Okay. Yes. So please make an attack of opportunity with disadvantage. Okay, that is a 16 on the lower of the two rolls. Nice! You didn't fail, you hit it. Okay, that would be with a short sword. Oh, wow, so that would be a nine damage with the short sword. Wow! Oh, that is that is so much more than you needed to do. So what's the name of the sword that kills it? Uh, Tracy. Tracy <laughs> slices through the curtain. With a Y. And <laughs> with a tearing, <laughs> like a... a rip sound tracy like cuts the curtain in half and a lot more blood than you would expect to come out of a curtain comes out <laughs> and it screams like a bat and dies does any of the blood get on this suit no it all got on the ground in front of you he breathes a massive sigh of relief and then remembers he's lying <laughs> on top of a like dying woman and it just kind of rolls <laughs> off uh <laughs> oh gosh it's like, Aaron, do you wanna do you wanna do something about this whole situation? Say, or do yeah, I need yeah. a death save? Is, is is it my turn now? Technically, it is Satara's turn. We're gonna need you Uh-oh. to do a death saving throw. There's a 50-50 chance that your character just dies right here. You're making a face. It's what? a six. She's dead! Oh no. <laughs> I mean, she's dead. Riffman, you look underneath you. The amazing, strong person that you were trying to protect is gone. Her necklace fades, too, because that was the whole point of it. Yeah. And the necklace's blue light goes dark forever. I look mournfully down and steal the necklace. That is our first character death on the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast ever. So that I've ever done to someone. I'm really sorry. Uh, the thing yeah. about Satara is when she dies, her body dissolves in a burst of starlight because she has to return back to her star when she oh. dies. Like that's the whole point of the celestial avatar is once they die, all of their memories and stuff return to the star. So now there's just a pile of junk there. Oh, no. So, like, your body explodes in light and rushes out from, like, the room and exits and goes up into the sky? Yep. Oh, man. Okay. Wow, that's that's incredibly sad. All right. I'm going to leave it back to you guys. You are left in the auditorium with the remains of Satara and the cloak, the curtain. I, could, I was going to say, I can tell you everything she had on her if you end up, like, looting her stuff. Yeah, we'll just give all that to Chip. Yeah, he eats stuff. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys do after Chip pockets everything that Satara had had? Uh, um, all right, so let's let's go revive this shapeshifter and get some answers. Yep, sounds good to me. They're mad now. Okay. <laughs> Aaron stomps up the stage to the unconscious man. And I tie his hands together and his feet. Using Satara's rope. Yes. And then I cast healing, uh, is it healing touch? Cure wounds. Whatever it is. He goes up to full health because 
he, yeah, yeah. it's at least plus seven. Yeah. Yeah. So he's awake now. Yep. He wakes up and he immediately tries to run away and is stopped by the rope and just trips and falls on his own face on the stage. Uh, and then he changes shape because rope only holds together people. <laughs> I was going to say riff. We need a dagger here. And starts to starts to shapeshift into the form of a sparrow. Uh, I'm going to let you guys react to that. But you did tie up a shapeshifter. He's half sparrow right now. Pin him. Pin his wings. Chip's going to kneel over it as it's sort of compressing its shape um, and just hold the point of uh, uh, Lucy, the dagger, um, to kind of the center mass so it can just feel it as it's um, uh, as it's uh, sort of morphing around and can feel the presence of that like pointed metal. And you can say very, very con- conversationally. Fascinating uh, efficiency hack I recently uh, discovered uh, about being friends with a healer. It means I can cut you and then he can <laughs> fix you and then I can cut you again. Satara, <laughs> he's so mad you died. He's so oh. mad. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm so glad you're mad she's dead. Okay, perfect. Good teamwork. Intimidation check with advantage. Uh, that'll be a 16 plus... His intimidation's not that great. Okay, 19. A 19's pretty high out of 20. Yeah, the sparrow stops shape-changing into a sparrow and does drop the ropes, because those are useless, and sits <laughs> oh. in front of you uh, and with hands up, palms out, and like, I'm not armed, you know, and goes, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and mm-hmm. you, you are right. The ropes were a bad idea. Aaron is going to uncork his flask and... You and shape water over this thing into a skin tight prison form and then lock it into place with just a gap for the head. Thumbs up. It's like ice, but not cold. Sure. Chip moves in on it and then realizes he doesn't really have any questions for it or really anything of value to, to add. So he kind of takes a half step back and lets Aaron take the lead. Uh, yeah, we don't know enough to know what we need to ask yet. So... Aaron is going to turn to the shapeshifter and say, start talking. Who are you? I'm Yul Shevchenko. Why did you attack us? Because you were looking for Orin. Okay, what do you know about Orin? Orin saw me attack the principal, so Orin had to go. What did you do with Orin? Uh, he like smiles. He's like a little evil. He's like, mmm. He's hesitating. Mm. Riff, the <sighs> knife? No. Oh, yes, that's right. He's he's uh, under the stage in the orchestra pit. He's inside the sousaphone case. I see. Why did you attack the principal? Um, uh, and he's like looking side to side. He's a super, you know how Riff's a little sketchy? This guy's very sketchy. And he's like doing like side to side eye movements. It makes you realize how trustworthy Riff is. And he says, um, uh, well, so I was hired, um, uh, to, to, uh, to replace people in authority. And my assignment was Principal Seoyun Gonzaga. Who hired you? The HHO. 
So I posed as Ari Kleber, you know, and I, I got information. So takeover was going to go over really well. And then, well, you know, your little iridescent snake-headed kid saw me when I was trying to take over the principal spot. So I had to get rid of him. Uh, hmm. Ch- uh, Chip looks at, um, uh, looks at Aaron. This, uh, this seems like above the, uh, the pay packet for a day at the, uh, school sports festival. Uh, I might go and get the kid out of the xylophone <laughs> case. He has no idea what musical instruments are. So he's literally just going to go down there and just be like, Anything that's larger than a flute case, he will start opening. Um, but before he does, okay. he leaves, um, he casts Mage Hand, a cantrip, uh, mm. takes out one of his other daggers, Trixie, uh, and hands it to the, to the Mage Hand to basically just like position it within like a quarter inch of this shapeshifter's eyeball and then just uh, kind of heads towards the opera pit, the orchestra pit, sorry. Yeah, you make it to the orchestra pit, the changeling eyes that knife very nervously, like, whoa, Trixie, hold on there. You make it to the orchestra pit, and you see many cases that are large enough to hide even a seven-foot-tall form. Sitara's player, if you would please voice the voice of Orin. Orin. Um, So you see several large cases. Go ahead and open, roll a one to three and open one of the cases. A one to three? Sorry, I don't know what that means. Like a D6 divided by two. Uh, that'll be a one. With the first case that you open, out topples the unconscious form of President Seoyun Gonzaga. The elderly elf female, she appears to be unconscious, but still breathing. Does she have any money visibly on her? <laughs> uh, she has a really expensive jewelry. So you no, can, she does not. You can, af- out of game, pick... <laughs> yeah, you can pick from the uncommon items list any one piece of uncommon jewelry that you like okay uh, can i do that after the game cool. yeah yeah after the game uh yeah. okay um uh, happy for aaron to take some actions before i keep going if that's what you'd like uh sure i feel like i should join this party but i don't want to lose this shapeshifter so i am going to expand the water in a globe around his head and there, there's, it's not going to fit all that much air inside there. So I'm going to tell him, hey, <laughs> if you want to survive, you might want to shift back to that sparrow in there. The changeling for hire is just like, dude, I'm just doing a job. And it's like a really angry sparrow inside this water. <laughs> Chirping. <laughs> I will reshape it into a hollow globe that will follow me around with a sparrow contained inside. Oh, the sparrow is so angry. <laughs> this, is some, this is some water bending. And I will join the rest of my crew. This is cool. <laughs> Sparrow is lucky it's not dead, man. <laughs> All right, Riffin, we're back to you. Roll a one to three. Uh, this is one's a two. Okay. Orin, you topple out of the sousaphone case and are unconscious on the ground. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Ooh, ooh, I want to open a case. I open case number three. An elderly dwarf male... Falls out of the drum case. Do we know him? You recognize him. It's Nulisag. Oh. Oh. Does he have anything good on him? Can <laughs> <laughs> rob your boss? He'll never know. Uh, no, he has been stripped of all valuable possessions. Boo. 
just put him back in the case. <laughs> <laughs> All right, put him in, shake it, do it again. Oh my goodness. All right, so you guys have three unconscious forms in front of you, and you've got a sparrow who's chirping angrily in a bubble. Um, I'm going to do one more healing word, or um, not healing word, um, the healing spell I have, um, and heal up Orin. Yep. As your, your, it's not literal concentration break, but as your attention is diverted onto healing up your injured friends, the sparrow, realizing that it's just a bubble of water, darts out of the water, because it wasn't ice, it was water, and flies away. Sparrows can fly through water. <laughs> I had thought it was like hardened water. Remember, like, like ice but warm, but okay. Didn't say that about the bubble. Okay, so then it flies okay. through and it's like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> the sparrow flies away. You guys know that it was hired by someone and that it was part of a changeling for hire gang that was taking over important people in Nikimoi and Guaso as a country. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Foreshadowing. Orin. Well, I mean, you guys have Nulisag on the ground in front of you. Orin, you're awake. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, he would kind of look around and just be like, where, where's mom? Oh, she's with the stars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or, and you look down at your necklace, the necklace that you've worn that Satara gave you that she promised she would always be with you and she would keep you safe. And the light is gone. And uh, just to be clear, like, she told him what would happen if she died when she hand gave him the necklace in a while ago. Um, so he would look up and he's like on the verge of tears and he's like, where is her necklace? Uh, and he's like bawling. Chip, uh, Chip rummages in his uh, backpack and produces her axe and hands it to Oren <laughs> and says... She wanted you to have this. He's just bawling. He's just crying. He's just like, but it it was a sports day. It it's a sports day. He, it, it, just bawling. It's taking everything <laughs> in Riff's power not to say it was curtains for her. <laughs> just, just bracing. <laughs> Aaron, what do just, you say to Oren? Nothing. I'm just letting Oren process. This is <laughs> part of this is part of helping someone who's sad. You have to let them be sad, and you just be present with the discomfort until until they're through it. I think he would ball for like a while, but then like clearer thought would come through, and he would be like, "Wait, are are we safe? Are are we dead? We could be dead." Well, there's still a shapeshifter out there. Oren, what happened to you? Orin, you know that you were going to the bushes to investigate a, a scream that was cut off when something hit you in the back of the head. As you crumpled to the ground, the last thing before your eyes was that the principal of the school was laying on the ground with blood coming out of her head. Like she was head injured and potentially dying. And you're now very concerned because you remember her being injured. You look around and you see her unconscious on the ground. Wait, there there was a... The principal, she was in danger, and I, I was trying to help, and where... Oh my god, is she dead? 
she's right here. Is she? Is she's on the ground. Is she dead? No. Uh, do you have any <sighs> healing abilities? <laughs> I don't know where his character sheet is. No, he's a. Uh, what is he? I, I don't know. know. I just remember you saying that he a had magic. Sorcerer. Yeah, no, no chance. Oh yeah. Oh, sorcerer. Sorcerers have, have healing. I, ironically, Usually. the celestial warlock does have a lot of healing. <laughs> yeah, Satara was kind of built for healing. Um, he would look at you and he would be like, "I, I I'm not I, my magic, but I, I know not now. I'm, I'm, I'm panicking. I can't do magic." Yeah, he's a fledgling shadow sorcerer whose powers were brought out by a traumatic event. Two now. So, yeah, two this traumatic now. You're right. You're right. You're not wrong. He just grows through trauma. <laughs> level, level two trauma sorcerer. Does he, does he have a pet so we can get those sweet, sweet level two spells? <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So if you guys would like to do a medicine sure. check on the principal and on Nulisag. Um, yeah, sure. Nope. Nope. Uh, I don't think mine is great either, but I'll hold on. Are your well, guys' tattoos visible? <laughs> what? Sorry, are your guys' tattoos visible? Mm. Yes. No, mine's under the cuff. Okay. Mine's no. under his cuff. Because Orin would definitely look at you, Aaron, and just be like, "Your mom brought you and said friends, but I mean, friends can mean a lot of things." And but you're from the fire breathing kittens, right? Like you know how to handle this, right? Sure. Step back, kid. So I'm going to do some medicine checks on these two. Uh, my medicine is a plus one, but actually now a plus two because jack of all trades. Ten and five. With a ten, Nulisag opens his eyes. The principal remains unconscious. His eyelids flutter and he looks and his eyes focus on Aaron. And he says, Aaron, what are you doing? Where am I? What? Huh? We just saved you, that's all. What? Uh, but what happened? Well, we were hoping you could tell us. It looks like there was a shapeshifter assigned to take over the position of important people. And it looks like the principal here was one of the targets, and maybe you were another. I was a target? What do you mean? I've... Oh, gosh, I... You're kind of important. What? And he's like, I was just packing up Christmas presents, and I was... I was doing my stuff, and that's the last thing I remember. Well, you're safe now. <laughs> you guys aren't going to tell him. Tell him? Oh, I just told him. Oh, about Satara? No, about how you saw him this morning at the guild hall. Oh, wait, he wasn't packing a person's presence at, at the guild hall? It's March. Oh. oh, oh. Forgot, real time. Hey, Nulisag, Christmas presents, huh? Yeah, Merry Christmas. It's March. You've been unconscious huh? for a long time. What? Huh? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what did the guild do without me? You guys can't run yourselves. It would have run itself into the ground. Are you all still alive? We were run by an imposter. <laughs> Are we all still alive? No. <laughs> and with that, we're going to zoom out. So if this is Nulisag, then who is that? We're going to zoom out. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on the Fire Breathing Kittens. Joining us were Max. Pleasure to be here. Only one casualty. That's efficient results. Aaron. Rest in peace, Satara. And Satara, now Orin. Bye. I guess I'll see you all soon. <laughs> Bye.
Hi, I'm Chris Guthrie, and I'm the host of the Role for Equality podcast. We're an LGBTQ plus and woman-led show that uses history for character inspiration by telling stories about badass historical people and how to make them into a PC or NPC for your campaigns, with class, race, and background suggestions. We also do interviews and discussions about our experiences as women at the game table, social issues, and advice to help give a platform to women and non-binary players of every variety. There are plenty of laughs, drinks, hijinks, and more here at Role for Equality, and we would love for you you, however you identify, to come join in the fun and camaraderie, the Role for Equality podcast. Give us a listen on major podcast platforms, and happy adventuring. Hey everybody, we are The Natural Ones, a Dungeons and Dragons comedy cast that takes place in the Roselands, an original fantasy world in the land slipping into chaos as the players try to do their best in keeping things in check. Sort of. Join players Jerry, Pat, and Aiden as they roll their way out of whatever Dungeon Master Zectown puts in front of them. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at the Nat Number One S Cast. Again, that's the Nat One S Cast. We are a proud founding member of the A Tale of D20s Podcast Network. The following is a brief bit of the Pedro and Banana podcast. Do you know what really um, freaks me out about the mask, yeah? Everyone's wearing a mask, right? CCTV everywhere, yeah? You mm. think this is a fantastic opportunity for bank robbers. <laughs> yeah, Nobody's I know. robbed a bank. Yeah, Nobody's I know. robbed any banks. What's been exactly going on? the same thing. I thought banks would be getting dropped left, right and centre. Just any kind of crime like that where, where CCTV Anything, is yeah, necessary. Yeah, where you wear a Everyone's got a mask on, so you can't really identify me. Um, no, it wasn't me. It was him with the mask. Yeah, it was, uh, that's not me. Yeah. That bloke's got a mask on. I don't wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> put, a, put a hood on, put your mask on. <laughs> that don't even look like Coverage. my shotgun. <laughs> my shotgun's green. That one's black. <laughs> I always had this Ferrari. That was the Pedro and Banana podcast. Find them wherever you find podcasts. Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. And we host the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, a lighthearted look at the vast world of wedding photography. That's what we're doing? I thought we were making a podcast about drinking beers, flying drones. Did you even take yours out of the box? Coping with your post-wedding hangover, social media etiquette, and wearing moon shoes. They're not moon shoes, Steve. They're just... But seriously, check us out if you want to have a laugh and learn a thing or two about shooting weddings and running a wedding photography business. You can find the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. With over seven and a half billion people in the world, fascinating stories become lost in the timeline of generations. My name is Lily Donnelly, and Start Small was a podcast created to connect our similarities through investigative journalism. You can check out Start Small on Spotify and iTunes and follow us on Instagram at Start Small Podcast.